Let's go down to ringside. The following podcast is scheduled for one episode and is our vantage point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. Outside, we couldn't see it from our vantage point. And welcome back to our Vantage Point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. Thank you so much for being with us here for episode number 115. Here on Monday, January the 28th, 2019, we are here to rump you through the world of retro wrestling. As always, I'm Joe Murata, alongside the one and only Michael Quinn. How you doing there, Michael? Howdy doody. Well, we survived that winter storm a couple of weeks ago. That was nice. Storm, (laughs) Harper, or whatever, yeah. And folks, thank you for sitting in your home, Dell, or maybe you're on the road, maybe you're in your bed, but thank you so much for joining us yet again as we romp you through the world of retro wrestling. We have some great topics in store for you, but before we get to any of that, I want to remind you, if you have a Twitter, follow us there at OVP Podcast. You can also email us at OVPPodcast at gmail.com. That is Podcast at gmail.com. But the best place to talk to me and Quinn, talk about winter storms or talk about winter combat or the wrestling in general is over on Facebook, Michael. Yeah, over at Facebook.Storm.Homedale. Uh, it's a good website yes, where you it is. can see storms and Stormfields is there yeah, and stuff. Stormfield. He's a member. Lance Storm. Lance Storm. <laughs> yeah. He's a member of, and we talk about wrestlers who are related to weather, yep. like uh, Earthquake, Avalanche. <laughs> is that weather? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, we talk about that. Something with the Rain Man, I'm not sure. We cover it all, really. Not just the storm related wrestling. No, we don't just have your AccuWeather uh, grapple cast there, but we. we Typhoon, <laughs> that's a storm related. <laughs> so is Texas Tornado. Yeah. So uh, go on over to Facebook there, Quinn. Uh, you can explain how to find it, I guess. You know, you go to the search bar. Or something. Yeah, so you type in the search bar our vantage point dash retro wrestling podcast slash storm. No, don't type that bar. <laughs> and then you're in. You hit join on the button there. You know, our, our board will come up and you're in. That's it. And we uh, we approve you. And basically what goes on there is a lot of general retro wrestling discussion talk. Meaning you can talk about any era of wrestling, any promotion, any wrestler. If you want to have debate, you know, open, fun debate, post some questions, post funny pictures, all kinds of stuff, announcements uh, and suggestions about the show as well. Go to our Facebook group if you have a Facebook. Uh, you've never been a part of a group like this. I promise you that. So go ahead and do that. Also, later on in the show, we will have uh, some information on our Patreon, but we do have one if you want to go check it out just to see. It's patreon.com slash OVP podcast. We will also shout out some friends of the show later on, so stay tuned. But Quinn, mm-hmm. this season, which we're halfway through now. Wow, really? Already? Already. It's flying by here. Good. Let's get out of the winter. Yeah. Let's get into WrestleMania season. But here for episode number 115, uh, we've been talking about downfalls. Yeah. The downfalls of various things in wrestling. Saturday night's main event, job or squash matches, the ultimate warrior. Last week, the IC title. This week, we have one that was suggested by an old friend of the show, someone who's been listening a long time. Rick Pasley came up with this one, Mm. and I thought it'd be a good one, Quinn. It is the downfall of the National Wrestling Alliance. National Wrestling Alliance? What's that? Well, the NWA, and I'm not talking about Ice Cube. (laughs) Easy E, if you know what I'm saying. them. Yeah, them. Straight out of Compton, crazy motherfucker named Ice Cube. The NWA, the National Wrestling Alliance often thought to be a promotion in of itself, was actually not. It was actually a governing body of a lot of different wrestling promotions. It's a conglomerate of promotions or something. Basically, 
It was a body that had membership and a board. And what would happen is back in the olden days of wrestling, it was founded in 1948. So we're talking, uh, you know, wrestling was already kayfabe for George years Hatch. by then. <laughs> and Bob Goggle. Yeah. And the NWA basically took a bunch of different members from across the U.S. and eventually other parts of the world. And they would pay their dues, literally their membership dues, and they would sit on the board. And every regional promotion, because there used to be a ton of them, would have its own champion and its own roster. And there would be kind of a free working agreement between all the NWA members. And the NWA had one central world champion that would travel to the different promotions. And I'm talking about places such as Mid-Atlantic, down south in the Carolinas, you have the Crockett's. JR can explain this better. You're yeah. Dono in Portland, yeah, you know, all go, that stuff. We're going across the map. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Vincent J. McMahon in the Northeast. I think um, modern fans, if they want to kind of understand what this concept is, I think the best modern day application, and it's going to sound weird because it isn't, it isn't really the same, but they like to act like it is, but that's what the IWGP in New Japan is. It's Essentially, like, yeah. That, they fake it like they are the IWGP, right. but the point is, it's like that's why it's called the IWGP title to the New Japan Championship, right? Or whatever, exactly because International World Grand Prix, right? But they acknowledge or they say it's like a separate governing body, like it's their NWA, right? Or something essentially. Or how about this for an example to kind of give you a, a bit a bit of a comparison here? If you have a large network such as let's say the Fox Network, right? There's all these regional and uh, independent affiliates that are really just their own television station, but they operate in conjunction with Fox, who is the flagship. And obviously, they all want that low-rated SmackDown on their program. (laughs) Right. But what operating under the Fox banner, you know, and being affiliated with it, you have the name recognition, the prestige, so to speak, of being part of Fox. Same thing with the NWA. It's like all these little promotions would operate in cooperation and conjunction with the NWA because the NWA, the National Wrestling Alliance, carried some weight, some prestige, so much so that throughout the 60s, 70s, and into the 80s, the NWA was a big name when it came to wrestling. And I think the most obvious thing that these companies wanted from the prestige, it wasn't so much the NWA as the promise that the champion would come to their rinky-dink territory and defend the belt against one of their guys. Whatever their hometown hero was, so to speak. Right here on TV, a match between Nature Boy and my good friend Jay Youngblood. So if we could roll it, we'd like to show the fans what I'm talking about. All right, here we are, fans. So the NWA, despite its uh, very fortunate or very prosperous run throughout the 50s, 60s, 70s, and into the 80s, there were some events that set off what would become the eventual downfall. And the first little chink in the armor was in 1960 yes. when Vern Gagne, who had been a part of the NWA, yep. left after a dispute and went on to form the American Wrestling Association. Now, the 60s is, in general, where a lot of these chinks happen. And when I say a lot, there's like two. There's but, a few, yeah. Yeah, basically, like, again, a dispute, you know, Vern Gagne, because, of course, Vern Gagne <laughs> thinks he's the best wrestler and he should be the champion and the NWA doesn't agree. I think they what, it was something Luthez like that or some shit. I think it was Thez, Yes. Yeah. And they were like, "No, Luthez is better than you." Which is true. Yeah. Which is true. <laughs> but he said, "Fuck you! I'm going to start this company in Minnesota. It's yep. going to be called the AWA, and they're going to say I'm the world champion. And I'm going to lean my house against it too. Yeah. My property. But I'm yeah, Lake Minnetonka. Lake, Lake Minnetonka house thing. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, the AWA actually was a really well regarded promotion, despite how we've laughed about it. 60s, 70s, and into the 80s, the AWA was a major player. So that's 
that's one strike against the NWA right. to and start it off. The second one is, well, Vern does this shit, so Buddy Rogers is like, hey, I'm the fucking champion too. And he wanted to, he had a, a match with Luthez and there was a dispute now, there. He did technically win he had name recognition from what I was looking at at the lineage the other I was actually looking at this the other day for reasons. Wow, Quinn. And it had nothing to do with this actually. Oh, thank and you. So he had won it prior <laughs> yes. and he had lost it. And then there was some other match after that where he, I don't know, got fucked or something. I don't know. He defended happened. it against Luthez and Luthez beat him in a one fall match. And at the time, championship matches were two out of three. So Vincent J. McMahon, the NWA promoter, of yep. the Northeast, of right. the Worldwide Wrestling Federation, it would become. He pulled out of the NWA in 1963. I'm guessing that's because his son was like, that's my favorite wrestler <laughs> or something. This is the best guy I've ever yeah. seen. Shut up, I'm talking! And Vincent J. McMahon formed the Worldwide Wrestling Federation. As we all know, Buddy lost the title to Bruno, and that kicked off the WWF. More on them later. However, the NWO was still running strong, and this is the era of your guys like Dory Funk Jr., you know, who had won it from Gene Kaniski, Harley Raysa, yeah. people like that were the world champion. And eventually, we'd get to Ric Flair in the 80s. Right. Kind of the last main NWA champion. Right. And by the time we hit Ric Flair in the early 80s, mm-hmm. you know, he wins the title back from Harley Race at Starkey 83, although the NWA still has a ton of promotions, and although they're still doing well, the Jim Crockett promotions starts to slowly become the most prominent of the NWA territories. But this is because of another thing going on, which we haven't mentioned yet, is the Vince National Expansion. Right. So the reason they consolidate into Crockett is because they're like, okay, if they got Vince, they got one guy making all this. We need to have some like one promotion kind of like yeah. dictate the way because it's the only way we compete because we always just bicker about it with each other. Oh, they always so bicker. they kind of like they kind of resign to the fact like let's who's the biggest promotion right now in the NWA? It's Jim Crockett, and it was let's, yeah. Let's put it all there. We'll support him with the other territories, and you know we'll still do our running still around. Do the thing. Florida was doing that. A bunch yeah. of places were, but it was kind of like wasn't the same unity that Vince provided because Vince was one monolithic Correct. company. And that's kind of where the downfall also comes in, you know, too, because yeah. all the bickering that went on with this. Absolutely. Here's, and I'm glad you brought up Vince, Vincent K. McMahon here. Yeah. So I had mentioned that the WWWF withdrew from the NWA in 1963. What no one seems to talk about much is they actually rejoined in 1971. Right. Quietly, because I guess they didn't want to make it too loud. They would they would work with the NWA, and oftentimes you would see the talent. So there we have it from the number one contender, Playboy Buddy Rose. No doubt looking forward to his opportunity to face the world champion, Ric Flair, as wrestling returns to Seattle this Wednesday night. What's interesting about that, though, is they never dropped their WWF world title. Like Correct. It, it existed like in parallel, I guess. I don't know how, how to say it. That, no, that's true, Quinn. And, you know, places like the Aftermags would say, oh, shit. Don't call them the Aftermags. Places by uh, the Western Mags would yeah. uh, not recognize it as world title during that period of time because right. they rejoined the NWA. But you're right. But however, here's the thing. When Vincent K. McMahon takes over in 1982, by the end of 1983, he pulls out of the NWA once and for all at their annual meeting that they had, you know, their yeah. board meeting because of the national expansion. Right. The national expansion. And, you know, everyone talks about that. But basically it was Vince deciding, well, well, fuck this territory shit. I'm going to go run shows in Chicago and, right. you know, down south and stuff. And like, that's one of the key 
no-nos of being an NWA member is that you cannot cross stream, so to speak, with yeah. other promoters. Basically, it's the trade-off, right? That's what it was the trade-off that kept the NWA together all these years is that you say, I'm not going to leave my area in, in return, you get the world champion Correct. coming. That's the agreement. It's essentially. essentially everyone promotes the NWA name and has their own regional NWA titles. And in exchange, you get the, you the, get the champion. Yeah, you get the champion. But everyone stays in their lane. Yeah. Vince McMahon pulls out of the NWA in late 83, buys the Southeast or Southwest Championship Wrestling time slot and also, makes it all American wrestling. He also says, fuck you, my title's a world title now. He calls it a, his own world title. He gets Hulk Hogan. He freaking buys out the WTBS slot from yeah, the Briscoes. Was, that was kind of a mistake. It didn't work. Yeah. It didn't go over well. Yeah, no shit. He does all this stuff, right? So, like Quinn said, Jim Crockett now is trying to consolidate, so he buys out territories. Bill Watts, who had withdrawn himself from the NWA in 79, has no choice but to sell it to Crockett in 87. Yeah. What's weird about all this, too, I think, don't quote me on this, but from what I could tell just by, the, by the behavior of everything, yeah. is that at first the way to, to compete with Vince was that the territories would kind of work with each other. Yes. But then, like you said, it became this weird thing where Crockett just started absorbing them. And I don't know what that did to everything that seems to have damaged the relationship. I think a little bit. Here's a couple of points to consider. Things were so desperate in 84, 85, that Jim Crockett of the NWA, and he was the president of the NWA Board of Directors, worked with Vern Gagne. Right. And they teamed up and had Pro Wrestling USA for about a year. Yeah, no one cared. Welcome to Pro Wrestling USA. This is Jack Reynolds at ringside. Cool. The reason it didn't work, the only thing they did was promote this first Super Clash. That was the most notable thing. Just the first one was under that banner. The reason it didn't work was because it's Vern Gagne and Jim Crockett. And there was internal struggles. Well, from my understanding at the first Super Clash, that in the locker room, not just Crockett, not just Vern, but all the other promoters that were there. Everybody was trying to get everyone's talent. They were making exactly. offers in the locker room. It was cut and that it. just shows you yep. this is never going to work. You know, the minute you give these scumbags a chance, <laughs> like I'm not saying that Vern and Crockett were, but a lot of the other territories, they were known. Right, like, right. They, these guys were very underhanded. Sure. And, and I mean, I was watching the territories uh, Legends of Wrestling recently, actually. And oh, yeah. Also, Taz points out a lot of these guys were scumbags. Oh, of course. In uh, wrestling, absolutely. But, and he, he he said from firsthand experience when he first got the territories, he was like, yeah, these people, so, you know, it wasn't all of them. There was upstanding ones. Sure. The, a, a bunch of them were, were just low lives. lives. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like, and they were just trying to make a buck. That was the biggest blow was Vince's national expansion and in, in an attempt for other people to work together. They all kind of undermined each other. Now, is it Vince McMahon's fault? Yeah, to an extent it is, but you can't blame the man for having a vision. I'm not saying that the tactics he took to get there are always, you know, ethical. Well, here's the thing is I don't even look at it as Vince wasn't all of it. It was He's not the, all. The other problem was it's like, OK, sure. Somebody tries a national expansion. They all I mean. Vince Sr. and Vern essentially were trying that, too, in yes. the 60s. But the difference this time is that now I think critical, like, core people who were in charge of all these NWA territories, this crop, I guess, mm-hmm. they just did not know how to handle it. That's a big one of the biggest things. They and didn't know the, how to keep up with it. Apparently, in the 60s, they must have known how to handle it because they, they survived and thrived. Right. It's for true. 20 more years exactly and right those again back in those days i mean from my understanding a lot of there was a lot more ethical and upstanding promoters in the 60s in the 60s than there were yeah. by the 80s perhaps right, exactly yes. and vince you know vince did some things like 
he had Frank and Jack Tunney exclusively only promote WWF shows starting in 84 in exchange. You know, they made Tunney the president. Suspending Andre the Giant was one of the worst things I had to do. And one of the, the biggest things that happened in 1988, Quinn, is that Ted Turner purchased Jim Crockett promotions and renamed it World Championship Wrestling. And what happened as the 80s became the 90s yeah. is that WCW, picking up where Crockett left off on a national expansion, now backed by Turner money, kind of outgrew the NWA as all these yeah. promotions had folded or consolidated or closed. Now, the NWA needed WCW more than WCW needed membership exactly. of the NWA. Now, WCW stayed in the NWA for a, a number of years. Until, uh, formally until 1993, and then they right. ended all association. And ironically, them. guess who the last big NWA champion at the end of that run was? Ric Flair. Exactly. <laughs> so, I mean, after... After that, once they didn't have Ric Flair anymore, they were fucked. And there's no more promotions at this point. Yeah. One of the last hangers-on of the old NWA was Don Owen in Portland, and they shut down, I believe, in 91 or 2. All these other guys, like Muchnick, he had folded. You know, uh, you know the original yeah. Sheik, he had folded. World, uh, class. world class. Fritz withdrew in the 80s and consolidated in the USWA, and then Fritz got the fuck out of the business. Yeah. A lot of these guys were gone, so there was no more NWA. And even some of the old-timey guys that, like, were sort of part of the NWA, but they they weren't. Like I always think of Memphis like that. Yeah, like they well, were, but they weren't. And the Fuller's like, the same yeah, thing. Like they they were kind of like I always think of those promotions like the Outlaw promotions. You know, right? Sl- slight Outlaw. Yeah, slight Outlaw. So and they were just fine without the NWA because right. Jerry Lawler and shit like that. Was Jerry just, Jarrett. It yep. was so big. Yep. Like again, it's that all the talent now was consolidated in the stuff that could survive on its own, and they didn't need NWA. Right, and like Cornette's Smoky Mountain, that wasn't NWA of any kind, and that, yeah. that started in 91. But ECW was probably the biggest, last, real death blow. In August of 1994, the NWA territory, Eastern Championship Wrestling. So they, they were the, the last big one, right? The last big one at the time, they, yeah. They weren't even that big. No, no, and, but and they were something. They were kind of the only ones that survived at the end. So you want to go through the story here, what happened? Yeah, the NWA is going to crown a new champion and have a tournament within Eastern Championship Wrestling. It's yep. won by Shane Douglas, as agreed upon by all parties. And as we've covered before, and I'm sure you might know, uh, at the end of that match after winning, I believe he beat Two Cold Scorpio. Is that right? Yep. To he win the title? Two Cold Scorpio on the final round. Gets on the mic and cuts a shoot promo, essentially, with the yep. endorsement of Paul Heyman and right. Todd Gordon and all them. But Without the knowledge of pretty much anyone other than Paul. Within the NWA, like yeah. Coraluzo and all those yeah. guys. So, so the NWA people are there thinking, what a coup. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, what a like, coup. Right, right. Yeah. And he basically calls the NWA, and he's not really exaggerating, a promotion that died seven years ago. Yeah, he didn't want to be the champion of a promotion that died seven years ago. Right, which he's referring to when Crockett sold to Turner. Which and essentially, was essentially the, it was dead Yeah, for until that Eastern Championship Wrestling. That tournament was supposed to be the revival. Yeah, and it know? completely yeah. fell flat on its face because of what Paul Heyman engineered. And, you know, we won't get into the, the, the logistics but, of that. But, but just, was, to, just to say that ECW left the NWA that night and they became bigger than the NWA within minutes, essentially. <laughs> Basically, like, I, yeah, right? What a splash. All, all of a sudden, they said, fuck you. Yeah. And they threw down their title and held up the ECW title. So this title's a world title now. Fuck it. Right, like, right. You know? And aside from some occasional, you know, they still promote shows that, or they did throughout the 90s and in the 2000s. And, you know, the WWF thing, notwithstanding, where WWF had an agreement to use their name, you yeah, know, for I a little mean, while. That should show horrible. you how low they are. Yeah. Is that the WWF. <laughs> It's just using their name for an angle. Involving like, Jeff Jarrett and involving, shit, you know? Like, 
low mid carders yeah. and stuff like that. And I mean, they go on and on. And it, the NWA has now become a thing that tries to latches itself onto right. stuff. I, TNA was uh, the first Japan, big one. New Japan, like they've given the NWA title even as recently as two years ago to New Japan this stars is true. just yeah. to elevate it. They've given it to Cody. Yep. Like all these people, <laughs> fucking, fucking Nick Aldis, who's just yep. that Magnus guy from TNA. I know. He's like the current champion. It's it's like what the fuck? No one cares about this. And I think the most poignant thing about it, as we wrap up here about its downfall, is now the guy from Smashing Pumpkins owns the NWA yep. since 2017. Yep. Despite all his rage, he's, he's still, still just a rat in the cage. Yep. No, but overall, I mean, the NWA is still alive technically it is now officially like a promotion it's not a governing body anymore as of the last few years it exists it exists uh that is a, a brief rise and fall of the nwa certainly during its heyday in the 60s and 70s and into the 80s it was prestige i mean we we here in the northeast it, it, and the age that we are, we think WWF is like the the real deal. But NWA really for a time was where it was at. And yeah. its downfall was not, you know, just one single thing. Like we mentioned, promotions closed. Uh, people left the NWA, yeah. started their own promotions. Death by a thousand cuts, I would say. It's, it would be the term for it. You, you know, know what? That is perfectly said, Quinn. I think yep. that's a, a perfect way to sum it up. The NWA, death by a thousand cuts. But we're going to cut for a second here. And when we come back, folks, two more enter the mix on the royal rankings of announcers we will finally be coming up with our first top 10 because we'll have numbers 9 and 10 wow, just a prestigious top 10 that's right in just a few short minutes so stay tuned for that we will be back right after this Hello, wrestling fans. Joe Murata here of our Vantage Point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. Ever heard of us? Anyway, I just wanted to acknowledge real quick, guys, here in post-production, that yes, I am aware, as I was editing this, that Quinn's audio is not quite right for this first segment that you just heard. I changed some things in the setup right before we recorded this, which was actually a cardinal rule. You're never supposed to do that. Anyway, I apologize for any difficulties or discomfort or any other financial loss that you suffered by listening to that segment that way but i just want you to know that yes it does get better as the show goes on and next week you shouldn't have to deal with that that's all back to the show hi this is jameson remember me yeah me neither you're listening to our vantage point retro wrestling podcast it's the best and welcome back wrestling fans to our vantage point the retro wrestling podcast thanks so much for being with us here on episode number 115 here on monday january the 28th 2019 and i'm just going to briefly mention we do have a patreon right quinn it's patreon.com slash ovp podcast yeah we have that we have that there and we are making some changes to it so what i'm going to do instead of running down the three tiers that we have because we have some changes coming just go over to patreon.com slash ovp podcast you can check out the current tiers there's a public post that has the up coming changes yep check it out and just to reiterate we do this patreon to give back to you guys if you want to give to us and no pressure no obligation we are just thankful that you're even listening to this show today yeah we appreciate anything you're willing to give yep we love making the extra content we actually do. it's so, really fun so we, we really do so check it out patreon.com slash ovp podcast if you want to donate but quinn it is royal rankings week five now and that means like i said we are building the first top 10 
This is it. We have eight names on the list. Two more are going to enter, and then we'll have our first top ten. Yeah, by the end of this, we'll have the ten greatest commentators ever. Yep. Period. End and, of story. And then, no disputing this list. Nope. And then next week, two people could get knocked off that top ten, yep. and two more could enter. So just to give you a rundown of the current rankings here as of last week, at number one, the true gentleman, Lance Russell. Lancelot Russell? Yes, Lancelot. And number two, still holding very strong, is Joey Styles. Joey the Styles. I would never expect him to be the second greatest commentator of all time. But here he is. Number three, remember King? Yeah, King. <laughs> King, God. Yeah, always remember King. He better enjoy it while it lasts. Number, yeah, f- number three, high praise. <laughs> uh-huh. Number four, Mauro Ronaldo, newcomer here. I was surprised by his ranking. Very, very high. Very happy him. about yeah. it, though. Not bad. Number five, Mike Tenay, old cheese voice himself. <laughs> <laughs> and number six, another gentleman, Quinn. Kindly, grandfatherly, Bob Cottle. Yeah, Bobby Cottle. I... I always feel like you should be higher, but then I'm like, maybe not. <laughs> maybe not. Yeah. Uh, number seven, eh, Sean Mooney, eh, mm. this encounter. It's amazing that he's <laughs> ahead of anybody. <laughs> and the person he is ahead of is number eight, Jim Cornette. Yeah, Jimmy the Cornette. Yeah, Jimmy the he, Cornette. He didn't even do anything. I don't know why he's on the list. <laughs> Part-time commentator. All right, so that is the top eight so far. We're finally going to have a top ten. So without further ado, let's go to the Fink. Ladies and gentlemen, it is now. Sir, we promised you a great main event here tonight. Rhodes touched Sherry first. His name's Fred Catal. Silly name for a Japanese wrestler, Fred. So we've got a great matchup here. His eyes are closed. He can't open them. It is the Royal Rankings week number five as we count down to ranking the top ten definitively scientifically ranked wrestling commentators of all time, Quinn. The most scientific list in all of wrestling. That's right. Our lab coats are on. The goggles are ready. Clipboards are out. Lots of clip. So so much clip. No no chip. Uh, No, no chip. Now, we mentioned uh, the top eight that we have already. And just as a refresher, perhaps you're joining us for the first time. What we are doing is we are taking a holistic view, an overall approach to wrestling commentators. 20 made the cut as voted on by you, the fans. The the list is much larger, but the top 20 enter the pool, as JR would say. The big pool. And we draw out two random names each and every week. So by the time we hit episode number 120, the definitive top 10 and bottom 10 will be ranked. We are combining play-by-play and color because we're really looking at how good is this announcer? What do they contribute to a match? Their legacy, their career, the impact they have, their listenability, entertainment, yep. skill set, all of it. The color and the commentation, the t- as, as Luthes would say. <laughs> That's right, Quinn. So, without any more preamble, why don't we all find out who drew number nine? It's going to be the biggest battleground in the history of our sport. The biggest match in pro wrestling history. The two biggest superstars in our sport. Quinn, it is the greatest podcast in the history of our sport. Yeah, Tony Schiavone. (laughs) Tony Schiavone, folks. I am glad that we finally get to talk about him in a meaningful way. I am too, because I think he's very good. (laughs) I think he's very good as well. Now, Tony Schiavone 
started as a wrestling commentator in 1983 in the NWA Crockett territory, yep. most notably paired with, for several years, one of Quinn's favorites, David Crockett. Good old Davy Crockett. David Crockett along with Tony Schiavone. Tony, as always, the superstars on the Superstation. And, of course, today we continue the Superstation Championship Challenge Series uh, today, David. I love that combo, 605, TBS. Yep. Wonderful. What a way to come into the business, right? right? Like you start with Dave Crockett on the big show. On the big show. One of the biggest shows in all of wrestling at the time. World Championship Wrestling. That that 605 slot was on TBS was one of the biggest places to see wrestling, right? I mean, it was known throughout the South. Hell yeah, it was. And across the country because it was on cable. It was on cable. Now, when Tony Schiavone came in, Quinn, he was actually the color commentation person. Yes. David Crockett handled the play-by-play Which for several years. Think, right, but, it is, right? Yeah. But he was, and he also had a very fluffy mustache for several years. Yes. And Tony Schiavone was a great announcer because he had this crisp voice. Terry Taylor, what a great move to the sunset flip as Terry Taylor comes away with the win here today. He felt professional to Very me. Very professional. As but- opposed to Dave Crockett, who's a big mark. Yeah, like, right. He was like the mark point of view. And I yeah. don't mean that, you know, d- derisively or anything like no, that. But I, I love that. Okay, guys, that is what I love about Dave Crockett yep, yep. in that combo is that he's a fan. He he totally is but just you have into it. Straight lace Shivani with him, very. and it works very well. Shivani had that dry sense of humor, yep. but was so crisp and so professional and young too at the time. He was a pretty in his mid twenties yeah. when he broke he, in. He was good the minute he stepped in the door. And that that is something you can't say a lot about with yeah. commentators. Absolutely, most of the time, <laughs> that's very true. Kind. As as we've seen throughout yep. the list here. Now Tony Shivani was one of their main announcers uh, besides Gordon Soley when he would do his appearances there. You know any. Anyone at that time would defer to Gordon Soley, and rightfully so. I don't know. Shivani is but pretty Shivani damn good, though. Right? Uh, it's hard. Like It's almost like Shivani is like a new age version of Gordon. He's kind of like, he's just more modern. He feels modern and compared he, to all these people. And being a sports fan and also a sports broadcaster at times in his career, he called baseball at certain periods of time, minor league baseball. Tell me, Shivani back with you at Harbor Park in Norfolk, 79 degrees here. Shivani had a very, like you said, very professional uh, quality to him. Yeah. Where he just sounded, he had that Gordon Soley-esque professionalism where this is real. What you're yep. watching is real. Mm-hmm. This matters. This is contest. This is competition. Yeah. These are athletes. Mm-hmm. And Vince McMahon actually picked him up in April of 1989. It's interesting to note that his talents were recognized yes. by Vince McMahon. And as soon as he saw, you know, Shivani, like any other person that works at a company, his contract was up. Great um, resume. A great resume. And he said, why don't we give this Shivani a shot? Now, by 1989, Vince was eventually looking to get a new voice of the company because yes. Gorilla clearly wasn't going to do it forever. And Vince himself didn't want to do it and forever. As, as we've said in the past, Vince was on his endless search for the boy. Right. The number one boy he yep. could find, the slick hair and <laughs> yep. the clean cut. Yep. You know? But he found a Tony Schiavone in his early 30s out of the NWA. He made him shave the mustache. And I personally like Schiavone's WWF run. I feel that it's yeah. very overlooked. I will say this. Um, I know this might, I know it's like a lot of kayfabe, but at the same time, I really don't think Bobby did him any favors. Well, that's all kayfabe, though. I know it's kayfabe, it's but as, kayfabe. as a fan watching, Bobby shit on him from day one, and I'm not sure that was helpful because you had Gorilla like really kayfabe and up, he's great, yeah, and all this, right. and it kind of like. And Bobby's like, he's a creep. He's I, a geek. Yeah, and I, I don't know why. I just felt like 
you always were stuck between this one side saying he's good, one side saying he's bad, like constantly for a couple months. And (laughs) I don't really think it did him any favors. I don't like him. So that means the guy's out. I hate him. How's that? I hate him. I can't stand him. We'll we'll obviously have to see a lot more of him. He's a creep. He's a geek. We'll have to see a whole lot more of him. I don't like you either. How do you like that? It's just maybe not, but I'll tell you what. Shivani's appearances on pay-per-view with jesse ventura a summer slime 89 and royal rumble 90 he's excellent there he's fine he's yeah really good with jesse Although, ventura there again here's the other thing about all this is that when shivani was there gorilla was still like at his like still the a announcer he was at his height yeah so that's another thing in those big shows where i always felt like why you know, isn't gorilla here yeah like why can't we just have shivani on superstars or something right. you know like or whatever challenge challenge whatever challenge. yeah whatever i'm just saying like yeah. wherever he is like gorilla and Jesse should always be doing the pay-per-views. That's how it felt, right? Yeah. I'll give you that. Shivani also did a number of Boston and MSG house shows, uh, sometimes mm-hmm. with Alfred Hayes. He was great with Alfred right. Hayes. Really, really good. Valentine likes to go with that heartbreaker to the legs, and that is the strong point of that man right there, the Blue Blazer. Yes, incidentally, that uh, particular arm drag there was just pure power. Nothing else. There was no skill or anything. To- and then in the spring of 1990, Shivani went back to WCW uh, on good terms with Vince McMahon. There was no yeah. smoking gun. It was a one-year contract. And that, clearly he was on good terms also with, with Turner, the Turner and all people. Yeah, because and, everyone seemed to like the guy. So he comes back in the WCW, becomes their announcer again, does a lot of pay-per-views with Jim Ross, who was yeah. still there at the time. I would say this is about the point where he starts to become the kind of lead guy. Yeah. JR had been in his absence, yeah. you know, JR came in in 87 and, and quickly became the lead guy, which I understand. But Shivani and Ventura made one hell of a pay-per-view yeah. commentary team. You know what I've been looking at you, Shivani? You need to make a trip to the barber. It's that simple. I don't like your hairstyle. Get back in style. You think I should have maybe the Jesse the body on the top look, you think? Or maybe down the down the, down the back there? I don't think you're tough enough to face it, Shivani. This, to me, again, it's the first point where Shivani steps up as, like, the voice of WCW. Correct. Like, this is this is now it's Shivani time. Yep, especially with JR out the door in early 93. Right, yeah. Now Shivani is undisputedly the main voice of WCW. And when Jesse Ventura kind of gets phased out in 94 in favor of Bobby Heenan, Shivani and Brain were an awesome team in the early yeah. days. I will say, this is also around the time where some of the um, Shivani catchphrases, such as the greatest night in the history yeah. of our sport, starts to become... That's the thing. The thing. And, yeah. and this is the only... Like, as much... I love Shivani a lot. Like, I'm not saying that he's bad. I'm just saying that once he became lead, I think a lot a lot of things that come along with being lead are is you have to push the product even more. So absolutely you're responsible for putting the product over big time. Yep. And this is where anytime somebody becomes a lead, they usually start to get these catchphrases like JR did it. Gorilla's done it. Everyone's done it. Right. Vince himself. And and, and Shivani's always was the greatest night in the history of our sport. Yep. Or the most important night in the history of our sport. So now I love Shivani again, but a lot of this started to, it started to become a little bit of a joke. Like this particular phrase. And this is by the late nineties. Yeah. Always felt like it made him sound stupid because some random nitro where like i don't know fucking asia beats up rick flair who gives a shit like what nitro is that i'm just saying like i'm, I'm just naming yeah, like know, random characters right right you get my point yes. right it's like you can't like he was like devaluing the product in a weird way it, it, it was diluting it yeah, yeah absolutely still a very good announcer throughout i'd say about 98 and then i i don't know what happened maybe just he was dissatisfied i don't know i'm sure he's well, talked about it a lot of people it. were dissatisfied by that point <laughs> it's i don't blame him by 99 2000 he he wasn't as good i will say he did stick with it 
until the end of the company. He was there until the very last Nitro. Yeah. Uh, made one appearance in TNA as a, in a shoot promo, and then we really never saw him again. Is he- there any reason why Shivani, when the war was over, either Vince didn't pick him up or TNA didn't put him on announce? I, I don't understand what was going on there. I would wager, and again, I'm sure this info is out there. I just don't know. Yeah. I would wager that Shivani just didn't want to do wrestling anymore. Yeah. Plain and simple. I think you and me have theorized that before. Is that confirmed? Folks, let us know. I think that's the truth, though. Because there was no blackballing, like, oh, we're getting revenge on them. No, no. Because they, you know, tried to compete with us. I don't think so. Vince did that kind of thing, Uh, too. Of course he did. I mean, this is Vince McMahon we're talking about. Stand back. Yeah, he's he's, he's a bit (laughs) petty when it comes to when he wins. Very petty. Yeah, Tom Petty. Just go to L.A. They'll sign you right up. Just get your guitar, get the right haircut, go down the street. So listen to that desperate kind Tell of Tell him I sent you. No, but I think that Shivani probably just wanted out for a while. And then obviously, and he went back to doing minor league baseball after that. And obviously, Shivani can be heard now on his podcast with uh, Conrad Thompson you know, yeah. and all that stuff. But man, overall, before we get to ranking later, Shivani, great announcer great and a announcer. great career doing it. Yeah. I, you know, the only thing I will say that was always a shame is I really... I never felt he got like critically bad. No, uh, even, never. Like even during the shit years in 99, 2000, right. uh, early 2001, which I always say this, but like out of WCW's entire like long history, even dating back to Crockett's, for them to be bad for only three years yeah. shouldn't like sully everything. It shouldn't yeah. Jay sully everything. Yeah, yeah. You're right about that. And, 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 and especially Shivani's career. And Shivani had great yeah. partners that are very fun to listen to. Like I said, him and Ventura, him and Bobby, him, Bobby, and Dusty yeah. were a fun three-man team. Like right. he, was, he was just part of the WCW soundtrack during its dominance. Yeah. And you can't take that away from him. He was a big part, equally as important, I'd say, as Jim Ross and yeah, Jerry Lawler were. He's the JR of his section of that era yeah, i suppose exactly. I, I don't know how else to describe no, it I yeah think that's, that's he's the other side he's, he's the, the other, other channel yeah like different approach different style but yep. equally as important and memorable i'd say mm-hmm. so that is number nine tony shivani let's find out now who drew number 10 that is vintage second generation superstar runs into the vintage knee Vintage Michael Cole, Quinn. Wow. This is a big two right here. This, this, is, is. this is two guys that are, are a huge deal. Um, Michael Cole, a huge deal by attrition, I would say. Uh, yeah. Like, uh, Endurance. Just keep on doing it. Well, Michael Cole came into the WWF with no prior wrestling experience. And frosted tips. <laughs> and he was... Okay, so in the progression of boys, there was Craig DeGeorge, yep. there was Sean Mooney, mm-hmm. there was Todd Pettengill, mm-hmm. and when Pettengill left in 97, he recommended Michael Cole. And Michael Cole had been a journalist, an actual legitimate, like, real job covering the war in Iraq and stuff like that, well, presidential what? campaigns. I mean, he, he obviously would be the perfect man then to cover fake fighting <laughs> in your underpants. <laughs> And totally well, under- understandable pick. <laughs> yeah. And he had a professional style about him, but he clearly had never done this before in the wrestling environment. Mm-hmm. And he's another Mooney in that sense. Yes, but better than Mooney. I will I'll give he, him that. He's better than Mooney. Now, Michael Cole was basically just a backstage interviewer throughout 97 and then got on commentary in late 97, mm-hmm. generally with JR and Kevin Kelly, because when you have a, an inexperienced guy, you tend to want to put two veterans with him. And Kelly was a knowledgeable yeah, industry I, veteran at I, that point. I mean, I don't know what the, the numbers have in store for us, but Kevin Kelly is actually not a bad announcer. No, he's uh, not. He, he really, wasn't even then. He really isn't. I know, the voice. I know some people don't like him, but <laughs> it's also, a voice mainly. 
mainly because of the Pillman incident where he was a little lady. But well, that's you. Yeah. You've propagated that. Whole I mean, thing. that shit is annoying. But <laughs> it is. I, he also, when he's like actually a commentator, he's right. not bad. But Cole was not a main announcer throughout the nineties. He was the first hour of Raw until it eventually just became yeah. Jr. and King for My both hours. My vision of Cole during that time is frosted tips and wearing the like war zone jacket. Yeah, yeah. Like, I know. <laughs> that's what I think of him. He was Jr.'s replacement when Jr. had his second bout of Bell's palsy late yeah. ninety eight into ninety nine, and he did an admirable job i mean for the inexperience that he had that's not easy yeah let's be real i understand it was during the height of jr and right nobody wanted cole there. no no one did <laughs> and the, you know this tends to be a trend with cole know. is that he he's always nobody's asking for nobody's him. asking for cole hey listen fuckhead Talk, you know, you, you, you can do whatever you want to do. You can put me on mute. You can turn the goddamn channel for all I care. All I know is I've been doing that show for 337 episodes, so I must be doing something right. And, and what the fuck are you doing? I'll tell you where he came into his own, though. And this is for real. In 2002 or 1, when he was paired up with Taz yes. on SmackDown. To me, this is the best Cole ever got. He became a very good announcer with his own distinct style, less produced because he's not on the main show. Right. He's with a very good partner in Taz and then heel JBL. Taz is a very underrated commentator. He was no, awesome. Nobody really talks about Even when he went to TNA, he wasn't bad. He, he was, was better than West. Yeah, he was pretty good at it. He was actually pretty good. He was pretty good. He worked well with TNA. He did. So the Taz and Michael Cole team of SmackDown in the mid-2000s and then even Taz, um, Cole and JBL mm-hmm. were really good. JBL looked like you don't know what the hell hit him. Uh-oh. Got hooked here by the head and arm. Bam! JBL. And Undertaker grabbing JBL. Rolls him over. There we go. Here we go. Here we go. There's, the count. There's two. And JBL kicks the shoulder out. This Cole stigma started is when, for seemingly no reason, they traded him to Raw and put JR on SmackDown, which JR didn't know was happening, by right, the way. I, I remember the whole controversy with this. They, they kind of fucked over JR, right. which... Which they love to do that. I don't know like, what it hey, is. He sucks. Get him out of here. And also, WWE management is like the only people in the universe who think JR. Just that like bubble of Vince yeah. and like Bruce and, and all Kevin that. Yeah like, yeah, like they're the only people ever who think JR sucks. I, know, I don't get that. And what it did is, even though, like we've said, JR and King were past their prime as a team by 2008, but nevertheless. They were- Bad. They weren't bad, and yeah. to split up that team and King lost all motivation, it seemed I like. I mean, when... I don't blame him. <laughs> but then Cole was competent, if unspectacular. Then, what turned a lot of people off was that heel turn. Yeah, well, also, a little bit before that, he started to get into this era where, where now he's got Ketrin's vintage yeah. every time. And, and maybe that's given like, to him by Vince or I, someone, I don't know. I'm just saying, it's like that vintage shit like, really drove me up right. a wall with that garbage. And then we entered into a real piece of shit era for announcing, which was like the early part of this decade yeah. with JBL, King, and, and I think uh, JBL accentuated Cole. Cole's shittiness. Oh my god. Like, it was so bad. McIntyre gets set to take on uh, the little bull. El Torito. Or you mean El Torito is in action? Fear the bull. The legend lives. But now Cole has calmed down quite a bit, and he's he's much easier to listen to. I suppose, but I guess the problem with Cole is that it's been a rough go from day one. Yeah. It, it, 
I feel exhausted in this whole experiment. Like, and it's not it, all it, his fault, though, Quinn. Is it safe to say that a lot of his career feels like an experiment, like a push to get the boy thing through? Like, it, like it's like, Possibly. what if, what if we just keep doing this? Like, that, that's like, that's that Michael Cole. What if we just keep doing? Well, this? Well, they had kept like, doing the concept since '86 with the George or '87. But Cole is the furthest they took it. Like, <laughs> where they're like, we're going to take it till he has gray hair. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> We're going to yes. do every fucking thing we can with Cole. We're going to make him a heel. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. Right, right, right. Like, he's done everything. And all out of the sake of this boy shit. We got to get this boy shit through. But I'm going to tell you what. One thing about Michael Cole that you cannot take away from him is he is a dedicated professional. And Fair. I really mean that. I'll give him that. He does a damn good job and considering what he's, he's supposed to be doing. resilience throughout the whole thing. <laughs> yes. I just think it's a fallacy to say he's anywhere near I don't think the, he's near the likes any. of some of the top greatest announcers of all time. I don't think he is either, but I'm happy that he made it to this list. I'm fine with him being on the list, but I just feel, again, that a lot of his success stems from give, being given 4,000 chances. But you know like, what? He's been successful at these chances. Yeah, well, JR makes one fucking mistake in, in the 1,000 years he's been on the air, and it's like, get him the fuck out of here. It's like, it's insane. It, Vince had like, it in for JR since 93. I don't know why he fucking hired him if he yeah. didn't know what he was getting. Yeah. I don't know what the hell Vince is ever thinking with it's JR. Just, it's just amazing. It's just like, the problem, I, and this always stems back to Cole, too. The problem with Cole is that he has, like, immunity or something. There's people that have been better than him throughout his whole career but Cole is just shoved down the throats well like, no matter what here's the thing unlike the olden days of the early 90s and even mid 90s late 90s with JR and all that yeah. gorilla where you're mainly just calling the matches and putting over storylines unfortunately we are now in an era and this started you know around the time Cole became a, the main announcer where there are so many different things to get in different plugs, different promos yeah. not only that Within the last 10, 15 years, Vince and company have started really overproducing the commentators. Well, it's also because Cole not only is expected to get the wrestling over, right? Which is, you know, the basic responsibility of the lead announcer. Yes. But he's also expected to get over um, Stephanie does charity at this thing or, you know, Twitter we're, plugs we're, we're and... talking to the troops and blah, blah, blah. Like, right. like all this like corporate PR, essentially. Right. Now, Quinn, I'm not going to do it now. But if I piped in Vince McMahon yelling instructions at you while you were trying to give commentary on a wrestling match, yeah. that's damn hard. I understand The multitasking that. involved with what Michael Cole does, do you, think you he... need to have rock-solid nerves to be able to do that. Okay, uh, we'll check it. Hey, Kev. Uh, Vince said I didn't mention Cena. I thought I did, but... Okay, no problem. Do you think at this point in Cole's career that he needs to be coached as much as, say, the people with him like a Renee or Graves? Like, I, I, Graves? I highly doubt. I just I highly doubt that Cole is getting the brunt of the coaching at it's, this point. It's like, not a matter of coaching their ability. It's a matter of Vince getting people to say what he wants. Yeah, that's just, never going to stop until he's dead. What I'm saying is I think he's been beaten into dust at this point. That It's just like <laughs> they give him a list of stuff to and say. he just knows what he to do with it. He knows how to say it at this <laughs> point and it's just like he doesn't tr 
try to be innovative or, right, right. or creative about it at all. It's just like, oh yeah, this okay. Like you know what I mean? Like, I, I see where you're coming like, yeah, from. WWF, there. Uh, they went to see the troops, and Stephanie uh, went to to the hospital this month, and Finn Balor's good. And you know what I mean? Like that's yes, like I get what you're saying. All right, I think it's ranking time when we've got Shivani and Cole. Yeah, vintage. All right, uh, just a quick rundown here as a refresher. At number one, Lance Russell. Number two, Joey Styles. Number three, Jerry Lawler. Number four, Mauro Ranallo. Number five, Mike Tenay. Six, Bob Cottle. Seven, Sean Mooney. Eight, Jim Cornette. Quinn, where do you want to start Tony Schiavone? Okay, I, I think Schiavone should be... start. We start talking about him at three against King. Um, okay, that's fair. I think I, I, I can't see anyone else beating him. Who was four again? Morrow. I think he's better than Morrow. I think he's better than Morrow. No, I do too. I just, I'm saying, is there worth discussion at all? Do you believe? I think they both have the same level of professionalism, but I think that Shivani's career time tested it's just time yeah. tested yeah i mean we we got morrow as high as we did based on his promise based yeah. on his professionalism i think we said about morrow uh specifically that we don't know in 10 years he could be he's like got that guy, yeah. he's that guy with the potential that could be a one he, like, he you know could I mean? one day you, you know he really he just could. doesn't have it, the experience yet that's mainly what it is yeah. so we'll put shivani up against king Mm-hmm. Uh, which, incidentally, they worked together in the XWF, No More Prima Donnas. Remember that? That <laughs> oh, was really wow. weird. Yeah, I forgot about that. Tony Schiavone. How are you, my man? Jerry the King of Lawler. <laughs> what a pleasure it is to have you here. All right, so Schiavone versus King. Obviously, one is primarily play-by-play. Tony Schiavone mm-hmm. did some color commentation you yeah, know, earlier on. A little bit. King almost exclusively <laughs> color. I'd say that Schiavone had a career where he didn't decline as much as King did, despite what you might gripe about. Well, okay, so here's the here's the comparison here. Yep. King was around much longer. So, I mean, there's a lot more opportunity to decline. Well, King started doing it in full-time in 92, 93. Yeah, and he's still doing it, th- like, now. Very almost. rarely. Yet. On the other hand, Shivani did it for almost 20 years. Yeah. 83 to 01 full-time, right? Mm-hmm. So he did it a long time, too. Yeah. Shivani had much more professionalism about him. Mm-hmm. Uh, then again, I believe he was supposed to. That's fair. Is uh, you know, we always say that this is the thing with King is um, did this guy do what he does as good as King does what he does? Because King, yes, because you can't obviously being colored. Yep, King's yep. a little gimped, so it's like, are they the same as far as in their respective, respective fields? Yeah, yeah, right. I'd say Shivani did it just as well, if not better. Yeah, I agree. Honestly, I agree. He's a great match caller. Yeah. You know, when you're going to talk about you know adding to a match, yep. he had enough uh, play-by-play with color, just phrases, you know, one, two, three, no, sir, things like yeah. that, just little phrases. He could banter back and forth with his color men very well, mm-hmm. which is a, a big deal in, in terms of working with yeah. somebody. I think that, yeah, by virtue of skill set within their respective jobs, I think Shivani's better than King. Yeah, I, I think, agree. I think the next thing now is Joey Styles or Tony Shivani, which is a tough one. It is tough because... Again, two different styles, very different. Um, no pun intended. Joey, I always will give him endless credit for being a guy that can go by himself and make it sound like things are happening. Absolutely. And, like, and no, his, no breaks or anything. His bombast, yeah. but also his ability. He had, yeah. he had a perfect combination of calling moves in a serious way. Just raw motivation. Like, yeah. You know what I mean? Very like that, driven. Very driven. He wanted this to sound like the best commentary in the business. Yeah, he was integral to ECW's success. I yeah. mean, seriously, he made them sound so much bigger mm-hmm. and more important than they really were. It's true. He was yeah. doing 
promos in front of a washing machine and it's the greatest thing in the world. Yeah. You know, or he's calling this match in front of 1,100 people and it's he's the going, biggest thing going in the world. to the hospital. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> so he has that. On the other hand, Tony Schiavone, like we mentioned, was part of the soundtrack of WCW's dominance in yeah. the 90s. One thing I, I will say I think is an advantage in, in Styles' favor here yep. um, is I can consider Joey Styles way more dynamic. You can throw Styles in any fucking situation possible. Hmm. I don't know if Shivani could handle a lot of the the weird kayfabe situations they would throw Joey Styles in. Because Joey Styles, if you remember, not only was he the commentator, but he would also do the in-ring interviews. He did everything. He did fucking everything. He pretty much did for he, years. He's If you say a guy's got all the tools, like Joey Styles, without player. question, yeah. like more so than anybody has all the tools. But I think Shivani was just as capable. I mean, we That's saw... That's true, because Shivani did do interviews back in World Championship Wrestling on the, um, you on know, the old in, the, show, in, yeah. the, in the interview center with Ric Flair. And not only that, we saw him transcend from, like, coming out of the Harley Race era of the NWA throughout the rise of WCW. We saw him do WWF during its height. Yeah. And then we saw him back in WCW when things changed into the yeah. Russo era. So, maybe... He kept up yeah, quite I, well. I think, you're, I think you're right. Shivani was definitely dynamic in that sense. He, he did have... Everything about wrestling changed in, within his career. And he kept up with it. Yeah. I think Shivani is easier to listen to. I agree. But yeah. also that that's a bit advantageous to Joey in a weird way because uh? the reason Joey isn't great to listen to is because he's supposed to be flipping out to yeah. this like crazy shit. If, do you know what I mean by that? I do. Yeah. I think Shivani can also get irritating by the late 90s. Right. But up until that, I mean... There's nothing like just settling back and watching t- t- either like WWF house show or something like that where Shivani and Hayes are on commentary yeah. or uh, I think Shivani, some NWA stuff. I, honestly, I think where Shivani excels, I really love him in those 96, 97 Nitros. He's great. I Like those shows, when I watch, rewatch them on the network, they go by so simple because I think Shivani just, he handles. He's a great pilot. Everything so smoothly. I just. And he also makes me because he's very like sports like, like mm-hmm. we said. Very. Like he makes me feel like I'm kind of watching a football game or something or yeah. a baseball game where it's just like he's kind of. That's just, how his style is. He's just kind of guiding me through it. Yeah. Like one of the things I always say about those Nitros and Shivani, especially, he makes me forget that time's passing. I don't know how to say it. It's like Nitros can be long. And sometimes mm-hmm. they don't feel long with how Shivani's guiding the show. Okay. Like, it feels like something's always coming up next. Like, you know? Fair enough. And, and I just stick around, wrestling fans, for one, right. you know, right after this commercial break, some more shit's happening. Do you think that they're both equally good at calling big moments? Yeah. I, I mean, uh, Shivani, um, you know, the Goldbergs, the, the Lex Luger, yeah. uh, all that stuff. I always associate, He's good. you know, all that kind of shit. I think we have to edge him above Joey yeah. Styles, but just the barely. Hogan heel turn is a Shiv- right. one of Shivani's finest hours. Right. It's oh my god, yeah. it's over. We're dead. Yep. We're finished. Like you know, like that kind of shit. Yep. Oh my god, what the hell is going on? Oh my god. He's just like, oh my god, you know, like yeah. but in like this like concern, right? And when when Nash count or Nash or Hall, one of them, they they count the pin. Yeah, yep, yep. we're not even going to acknowledge that. <laughs> right, this right. is disgusting <laughs> and. <laughs> like he's so good. He's really good. See those little monsters with the tears rolling down their face right now. We are not going to even acknowledge that three count. I think we have to put him above Joey Styles. Yeah. I mean, okay. no disrespect to Joey Styles. Yeah. The ECW announcer from the little promotion that could is at number three yeah. right now. But I think Tony Schiavone, he, he's. I don't think he's in a top Lance Russell. Are you kidding me? For real? Real. 
I, think, I, I, I highly disagree with that. I, I think, think Shivani's better. No, I think Lance Russell's overall no better. Way. Absolutely. I, Lance Russell is great, but he's just, it's just not enough exposure compared, compared oh, to Shivani. I mean, is that might be the only thing that Shivani has on but him? But I'm going to say this: it's like there is something to be said about being that consistent in front of that wide an audience, to being you know really recognized as like one of the best announcers in the business. Nobody ever, no offense to Lance Russell, but nobody ever really. I think a lot of way. people think that he's one of the best. A lot of wrestling fans, but a lot of Shivani was a big part to a mainstream audience. Yeah, but that's not Russell's fault that he wasn't. I disagree. You don't think Lance Russell could have handled the main stage of the NWA during the fight? I don't think so. I do. I think they would have honestly gone with somebody else. I don't know. You you know what it is? It's that Lance Russell against that that weatherman type. That's discrediting him a little bit. I know, but Shivani just, he feels like a cut above to me. You really think so, huh? Not not, not at the beginning of Shivani, but as he started to hit his stride in 89 with the WWF and then when he went back to WCW, I really think he eclipsed Lance Russell by that point. Maybe... You really do. Maybe if Shivani stopped commentating, you know, after he left Crockett and went to WWF... He went to another level when he he really upped his game, when, especially when he earned the lead. He's got the career to me, dig- trajectory to over me, Russell. Shiv- yes. To me, Shivani's in the same circle of people as JR, uh, right. Gorilla, uh-huh. like those guys. Lance like, Russell, yes. N- not Lance. What do you mean not Lance? I think I think Lance what Russell. Is this? I think Lance Russell is I'm not saying he's bad, but I think he's better not be. He's He's that point where the tier changes a little bit. Where oh, like, where like, I, I don't I start up with Shivani, that smart stuff. Shivani in the in the circle of of gorilla. What are you doing? You drawing a Venn diagram well, just, over there? I just mean this this bubble of elite announcers that I just they're untouchable oh, to me. Russell's in that bubble. Don't I, even I don't try so. to I get him. At don't what? think so. Are you serious? I, I, I'm saying Lance is like pushing. Like he's like almost pushing through into the bubble, but he's not in there. He's not in the rarefied air that that kind of guy Are is. you kidding me? This is Lance <laughs> Russell. Even my son is yeah, crying even, over this. Even, even the baby's crying. Lance Russell is one of the best announcers of all time. Of all time! He he is definitely doesn't touch Shivani. Get out of here! <laughs> what do you mean? No way. No way! Okay, Shivani is part of the elite, like, the biggest time in the biggest boom in wrestling history. He's the soundtrack of that big era. I, I he just, is. No, I don't dispute yeah. that, Quinn. I don't. Yeah. But that's not Lance Russell's fault. It isn't. But I just, to me, you can't elevate Lance Russell over Shivani. I can. I, I can't do we it. We have to agree, though. I mean, I, we have to agree, but I think Shivani is just, he just squeaks by him. I'm really not trying to say it's some dramatic thing it's just is it just based on career trajectory because it really is shivani was at the highest levels like in the business at at one of the biggest times ever it's it's really really hard to say lance russell in little memphis no matter even though no but no matter how great he is good at it no matter how great he is it's hard to really put him above shivani in that argument do you think tony shivani is generally underrated as an announcer. Very generally underrated. I do too. You know what? You know what? A lot of it's underrated is associated with though. It's the rewriting of history by WBF that they do everything better. It's the greatest night in the history of our sport. They love to harp on that, 
but uh, you know, Jay, in the seats. Jr. has catchphrases too. Bug out, gorilla has stuff. gorillaism. Will you stop? Yeah, yeah, I know. I, Shivani, if Shivani has one, fine. You know, like it, <laughs> that's it, true. It, it's all the best do. You know what I mean? <laughs> that's a good point. I'm just saying. I think Shivani's prominence alone. Is that the only thing, though? I it think. might be the only thing. Because Lance Cause Russell think, is just as easy to listen to. I Quinn. think they're very equal. Lance Russell is just as fun to listen to. Yeah, maybe he's, more. He's so. great. I just I think they're very equal. But I, you know, that prominence is something you can't. It's like an intangible. It's like how Derek Jeter is considered a great player, even though maybe his statistics are not of the finest. You know, I'd say Lance Russell has the intangible, even though he didn't work for the big company. I disagree. I think I think mm. the the big company is the intangible because you can't control that. But a big company is very tangible. I know. I mean that like the person working there can't control like how big the company is. You know what I mean? So it, yeah, it, okay. It, that, that's all I'm saying. I patently disagree with this, but unfortunately, I can't come up with a reason. Yeah, I, I, to I put Russell I'd above like Shivani, but I just I I don't see it. I like Russell better for the record. There, there's there's announcers. The fact that you can say that they're the soundtrack of like a big era like that, it's it's kind of hard to argue with. Lance Russell is known to a Memphis audience and some hardcore, and some hardcore wrestling fans that will defend him to the death. But and I'm Shivani, sure you're going to hear from a lot of them. But I'm just saying Shivani is known to the mainstream audience as this is when wrestling was at its height. <sighs> and he he was great at what he did. He did everything Lance Russell did. And he didn't maybe do done it better, but he did it at a higher level. Yeah, I mean it's tough for me to He 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 simply worked at a higher level. Unfortunate to say, but it's true. Well, I mean, again, to reiterate, folks, we're not just talking about ability or personal preference. It's yeah. all factors. With that said, I will acquiesce to you, Quinn, and I will put Tony Schiavone on his number one, and we'll move Lance Russell down. Sure. Uh, everyone obviously slid down as well. So now it's time to talk about Michael Cole. I want to suggest an insert point for him that I think is fair. He's definitely above Sean Mooney. Without question. Okay, yeah. and that, so that's number eight now. That yeah. moves Mooney down to nine. We can at least say that. Mm-hmm. Above Sean Mooney was Bob Cottle. Would you say that this is tough? Because <laughs> as an actual announcer, I think Bob Cottle is much better. Yeah. As, um, an, as an announcer. Here's, the, here's the, I think this is going to be Cole's... Achilles heel, if you will. His Achilles. Mythological hero Achilles. Yeah, his Achilles is that he's just fucking annoying. Like, <laughs> I, like, I can't tell you how many times I watch Michael Cole and I actually audibly yell at my TV, shut, shut up, Cole. Cole. Like, oh, I've I've been with you where you do that. Like it, it's like un- do you, you ever notice it's like not it's like a gag reflex. It's yes. not even like a I'm, shut up, Cole. Yeah, like I'll just I, and I'll just yell it like because like he'll just say something and just it will immediately resonate with me that it's annoying. But I'm going to take your logic and turn it over to you now. Yeah. He's worked for the main company for 21 22 years now. So but he must what, be doing something but right. You've, you've acknowledged a very fair point as to why he's worked for that company. Cuz he can put up with Vince McMahon exactly. and he can do the job, but that's part of professionalism. That's fine. That makes him good at his job. It also doesn't make him good. Also. It doesn't make him easy. I'll tell you this. He's not easy to listen to. No, he's not. He's really not. He doesn't have the voice for calling a wrestling match. Yeah. He, he's developed. He it. doesn't call a wrestling match. He says not his fault. Things not like, his fault though. Yeah, that's the style that they want. Because on SmackDown in the mid two thousands, he's awesome. Yeah, when he could call the wrestling back in the day, but he's not calling. But the now it, the way announcing is, but that that can only be held against him so much, Quinn. 
he's still, we have to consider the era that he works in and stack it up there the way yeah. we've done with everyone else. The overproduction is really hurting his standing. It is. Now, would he have worked in the early 90s? Probably not. No. The late 80s? Would you want him? Do you ever want him calling anything well, important? Back then, there wasn't as much emphasis on the overproduction. It was still, That's what I mean. There was still left a lot of that like old-timey, well, put him out there and they'll talk well, kind of like thing. Like Sean Mooney and, did and, and people like that. Sink or swim kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. But would he have sunk or swam? He would have sunk. You think so? I he's don't not likable enough. He's not likable enough. Voice. Um, yeah, even when he was kind of on his own, like... He was good in the 2000s, mid-2000s. That always felt to me, though, it's like, yeah, he was good, but it was more like, oh, wow, he's good. Like, the surprising... True. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, true, true, true. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like, Yes, like, this good. actually tastes good. <laughs> or, yeah, or like, oh, he's good for once. Yeah. Oh, there's no piss on the seat in this public restroom. Yeah. That type of thing, right? Oh, he's actually good. Right. Like, and you, know you shouldn't I mean? want to say yeah. that. Yeah. Is he someone that you ever, in your mind, want to hear call something? No. I mean, that's okay. I agree with you. Anytime he's there, I I just like, is JR around? Like, does, right. does he still work here? Like, you know, I always ask, the fact that to this day, we're still asking the question with Cole. Well, is, do they got, is there somebody else that can handle this? Right. You know what I mean? Like, okay. It, it, that That's a problem to me. So, and I, I even think it's gotten to a point, which is interesting. That the talent they surround Cole with, sometimes I just rather hear them talk like Graves. I really Oof, like... That's some sorry stuff. I like Graves a lot. I don't like him anymore. He got, really? He got annoying. But that's all right. Well, it's I just, not at a time just, nor place. Yeah, I'm just saying I just like to harken back to more Jesse the Body style. You like Renee Young? I don't think she's great. She's not. Um, she's married but, to Demon Ambrose. But I really, John Moxley. I really think Graves kind of... Listen to records. You know, he helps Cole, essentially, in a weird way. Because, well, partners matter. Yeah. What, what didn't help Cole was being paired with JBL and King for those several years. That was just an awful team. Oh, JBL tanked his career. Really? I mean, yeah. really? JBL was... It was I'm talking about what barbecue uh, they ate at the last fine, stop on the tour. I don't, I don't want to like, What is that hurt. move? That was terrible stuff. Yeah. All right, I'm going to sum up my feelings on Michael Cole, and then I'll throw to you for an opinion okay. here. I think that he is an adequate match caller. Adequate, not horrible, not great. I think his voice, as much as he's developed it, it's still not one that I want to hear often. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, he's developed it. He's definitely improved over the last 10 years. Still not someone I want to hear. I don't think that he gets enough credit for what he has to do, what yeah. he has to put but up with. But just putting up with something, that shouldn't reflect his commentating ability. Correct. Like, and that's why I'm going to say, do you want to just leave him above Mooney and below Bob Cottle? Is that the spot for him? Who's above Cottle again? Mike Tanay. Cheese mm. breath. I don't know. Cheese breath? <laughs> I don't know if I can put Cole below cheese breath. Okay. Well, then why do would we Mike... have a problem now with Cottle? What? And, and, that's and, where we put him. And, and Tanay. Well, is, then it's just like a rock situation. How could again? we put Cole above Cottle? Is there any way he worked for the big company? Cottle never did. Fair. Cole has had to do things that Bob Cottle didn't have to do with deal with all the overproduction, all the sponsor plugs, different partners, different shows, calling WrestleManias, calling pay-per-views, making it sound as seamless as possible, mm -hmm. like Shivani did. When Tanay was in his place as lead announcer at TNA, was, voice. <laughs> Cole and Tanay were not very good. Both really? I know. They're the soundtrack to the shitty era of wrestling. Sting, Kurt Angle. It's almost kind of weird to think that Cole and tonight feel like a tie or one like Cole might even be slightly less good <laughs> like I unfortunately I mean their voices are both terrible tonight and Cole but Cole's voice is better here's the thing about Cole this is interesting he never had a point like everyone likes to say the Smackdown era but I can't 
say that short burst was better than Coddle or even when Tanae was like amazing on Nitro. That's what I'm saying. I, yeah. That's why I think we just leave Cole below Coddle. Fine. But I wanted to just recognize that I do think Michael Cole is a dedicated, upstanding professional. I really do. And yeah. I think that dealing with Vincent given, Mann, though, shouldn't give you an automatic like free pass. Like, but I think that number eight as of now is a fitting spot for him. I don't think he's the worst commentator ever. I think he's had a very hard job, especially these last 10 years. And I think he's performed it very admirably. However, I personally don't think that he's still that great of a wrestling announcer. It doesn't no. mean that he's he's a good he's good at what he's supposed to be doing, but as a wrestling announcer, he's not an all-timer and I think number 8 is fair. Fine. Okay? I agree. But I wanted to give him some respect because I do feel that he gets unfairly dumped on sometimes. It's not all his fault, it's but not it's also fault. hasn't made him a good announcer either. That's, that's, that's the, the, the thing. Yeah. Definitely better than Sean Mooney though. Yeah. So, all right. Yeah. So why don't we finally now unveil the top 10 as of January the 28th, 2018. We are talking about number one, Tony Schiavone, the greatest announcer in the history of our sport. Unbelievable, right? The history of our sport. (laughs) Number two, Lance Russell, not bad. Number three, Joey Style, still holding strong there, Joey. Number four, member King. Yeah, the King. (laughs) Number five, Mauro Ranallo. Six, Mike Tanay, good old cheese breath. (laughs) Number seven, Bob Caudill who is above Michael Cole. Unbelievable. Right? But I think that's okay. Number nine, Sean Mooney. Eh. And number 10, motherfucker, Jim Cornette. Folks, that is the top 10 greatest announcers of all time. Next week, two more will enter the mix. And in the meantime, let us know your updated Royal Rankings. You can do that on Twitter. You can email us or join the Facebook group. But Quinn, when we come back, you wanted to review something from a very strange year for you. And we'll be talking about that right after this. I have my reasons. <laughs> There's the mafia kick. There it is. And he, where do you get all this? The well, German I, suplex, the mafia kick. I, I do my, it's my job. He kicked kick. him with the bottom of a 12 and a half boot right in the middle of the mush. They ain't got nothing to do with the mafia. <laughs> Hell, what you talking about? Man. Tony, he kicked the man in the head. Oh. There he goes. Yeah, and he, just, he just caught him with a Sicilian elbow. Right on the Yugoslavia yeah. neckbreaker. Stop he it. kicked the man in the head, Shivani. Exactly. He kicked his Bosnian butt. How do you like that? <laughs> okay. Here we go. Oh, my goodness. And now, back to our vantage point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. And welcome back, wrestling fans, to our vantage point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast here on episode number 115. And Quinn, before we review something, we do have friends of the show. There are other wrestling podcasts out there that are independent. They're not part of a big network, no big sponsors, no big names, but they're really good retro wrestling podcasts. Yeah, they're good at the wrestling podcasts. They are. And we're going to shout them out for you. Let's start with the wrestling podcast about nothing, WPAN. You can check that show out right now because it comes out on Mondays as well. It's hosted by two guys that have actually worked in the wrestling business. One of them is an independent wrestling referee that is currently on an extended hiatus. We think he's just retired, though. He's definitely retired. His name is Mean Mike Crockett. The meanest of the mics, the biggest of daddies. And the most retired of the referees. The most retired of the retired. (laughs) He is joined each and every week by an actual wrestler who actually wrestles in the actual Ring of Honor. He isn't retired. He's not retired. His name is the Kingpin, Brian Malonis. Yeah, a Wine City whale. That's right, one half of the bouncers. You can check them out. But anyway, this is a great show because it's a laid-back conversation 
conversational show where they talk about their memories of retro wrestling and sometimes current wrestling, the independent scene, the New England Matt Wars, a lot of stuff going on Those there, New Quinn. England Matt Wars are hot. It is hot. So check out WPAN, the wrestling podcast about nothing. And then on Thursdays, be sure not to miss the critically acclaimed, mm-hmm. glowing praise for greetings from Allentown. IMDB gives it 8.7. <laughs> Which is high. Metacritic gives it <laughs> 9.3. It's got a 91% fresh approval rating on Rotten Tomatoes. And, it and, and Pitchfork gave it like a 7. 7 something, yeah, which they, is they don't, great that's, for that's them. glowing yeah, for Pitchfork. Very. GF Allentown, Greetings from Allentown, is a show hosted by one guy, and his name is Peter Winston. Yes, Little Baby Petey. Little Baby Petey. And each and every week, he'll take you through a journey through his mind under the guise of reviewing retro wrestling. The biggest Ron Kittle fan. Yes. Did I say his name right? You did. Yeah. Big fan of Ron Kittle. It is Greetings from Allentown. He'll go through some retro wrestling shows with all sorts of jokes sides, anecdotes, and stories. Greetings from Allentown, GF Allentown. And then also, folks, if you're down there south of that amazing there Dixon line, and you like your retro wrestling with a side of banjo playing. And grits. And grits. Don't forget the grits. Check out Booking the Territory with Mike Mills and his crew. What they do is they do two shows. They do one on the NWA Jim Crockett Promotions era. They're in 1987 right now. And they do another show about Smoky Mountain, the smokiest mountain. When did they actually book a territory? <laughs> is that in the show? I don't know. You have to tune in to find out. Oh, so true. Check out Booking the Territory with Mike Mills. Those are our three friends of the show. Give them some love. Give them a listen. The Wrestling Podcast about nothing. Greetings from Allentown and Booking the Territory. Now, Quinn, we're reviewing something. Now, this was your pick, and I just want to state for the record here that Michael Quinn, a noted opponent of 1993 World Wrestling Federation Wrestling, requested that we review a WWE of Superstars from January 9th, 1993. You want to explain yourself, Michael? So, this episode is notable. The reason I wanted to do this is because I wanted to watch and review the last episode of Superstars where the show was the A show, meaning Raw did not exist yet. This is the final episode before Raw became the A show. This is true. Raw debuted two days after the show on January the 11th, 1993. This is January 9th, taped, I'm sure, in December of 92. I didn't look it up, and yes. you can on but History I mean, WWE. This, at this point in time, Raw was, or Superstars, rather, was the number one show. Raw had not been a thing yet. That's absolutely true. Now, Quinn... Just admit it, you like 93 WWF, and that's why you wanted to do this. You you and Pablo Melons are tight. You both love 93. Did you watch the same show I just watched? Yeah, it's pretty bad, folks. hideous. Yeah, and we're going to take you through now. By January of 93, the rot, as Quinn would probably call it, was starting to set in. The regression. Yeah, the regression. Uh, We were not in an era that is critically acclaimed. However... I probably don't have as much disdain for it as my partner over here does. I think you're just blind to like I. You just don't. It's not. You just don't see the like I don't that I see. It's like every time I watch, it just feels like dread. It's just like oh man, it's just worse than it was even like a month before. And as Quinn alluded to, Superstars had been the A show for the World Wrestling Federation, and this is the A show right here. Yep, big stories going on in this one, right? Yep, Superstars had started in 1986, and really it replaced Championship Wrestling, which was also the A show since 1971. I mean, I'll give it this: there are angles on this. Oh, there's angles, all (laughs) right, and uh, they're pretty obtuse if you know. I'm saying. So let's go to WWE of Superstars, January 9th, 1993. We're going to open up with an angle. We're really hot. Oh, God. This is hot. Yeah. So we get a cold open 
from a clip last week on Wrestling Challenge, the B show at the time, where Ray Rougeau, yes. <laughs> How are you? Get ready, folks. There's a lot of Ray Rougeau Lots on this of show. Ray. He was interviewing the Reverend Slick, who was telling Kamala that he's not an animal, he's a human being. While Kim Chi and Harvey Whippleman are protesting. Yes, it's the Kamala bowling angle. Like, this is this yes, is it. Yes, this is the seeds of the Kamala bowling angle. And what we mean by that is it eventually leads to Kamala learning how to bowl. Yeah, with the Reverend Slick. That's the big, that's the big <laughs> that's payoff. The yeah, it's like, a blow-off here. It's a big payoff. Kamala learns how to do something or something. <laughs> it's 1993, everybody. So Slick starts a, you! Oh, a man! Yeah, the famous chant. <laughs> everyone, you are a man. Even, you are that. Everyone was people were going crazy with that chant. Nineteen ninety three. Even they gor- weren't. Even nobody gor- cared. <laughs> even Gorilla starts joining. And he's like, "You are a man." Yeah, shut up. <laughs> you are a man. Vince now formally welcomes us as we see Kamala enter in front of that video wall that they had in like ninety two, ninety three. Video wall, the era. wall, not the Titantron, the not, video not wall, the raw letters. No, era. no, no. Well, it would be that era too, but it's true. Now, technically, here he is still a heel. He has com- he has a uh, Harvey and Kimchi with him. Vince is joined by the way with Randy Savage and the very new Jerry the King Waller. Yeah, it's like ninety one superstars and ninety five raw like combined. <laughs> like it's really weird. Like why is Savage there? He was just the still the super. Stars commentator. You know, I got an idea for Savage. Why doesn't he wrestle? Wouldn't that like, be great? Yeah, <laughs> he's sitting here doing he's, this shit. He doesn't even look hurt. <laughs> no, he's, he's fine. Just, he's perfect. He actually looks in good condition, no less. <laughs> you know, okay, if, Bruno, Bruno. if Bruno was there on the side, oh, Macho Man, you're in good condition. You piece of slime, you. You, you see, Benz. <laughs> see, Benz is fine. Mike McGurk is our ring announcer, and mm-hmm. she introduces Kamala's opponent, Todd Becker. Yeah, uh, Bill Pam. Bill Alfonso Quinn is the ref. Yep, it's that era yeah. as well. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Bill Alfonso, not Fonzie. Yet. No. Not, doesn't have a whistle. No, He's no just whistle. Like, I am a ref. <laughs> I am a ref. Harvey and Kimchi are being extra harsh, by the way. As Kamala- it's like comical. <laughs> like, it's like, why would he ever? It's so stupid how, like, abusive they are to the point where, like, why would anyone believe that Kamala wouldn't punch them in the face right. after the match? Exactly. Like- <laughs> so Kamala attacks with, um, pushing and then yeah. a crappy thrust kick. Uh, Vince says, you won't see too much here in the way of scientific maneuvering. Well, it's Kamala match, so like, <laughs> he's never really been known for that. No. Big Chop sends Becker to the mat as uh, Kimchi yells at Kamala. And I think he said, is this about Doink? I didn't hear him, though. I mean, you can say that about this show. <laughs> yeah, really. Yep. Kamala had to splash on the ropes, but now he's suddenly forgotten how to pin people. I will say this. This feels like it's just barely in a show yeah, it's I not know. it's like hanging on by a thread oh, it's God. like oh man raw is yeah, soon please, like please we need something to, so we need a revamp here <laughs> so he rolls becker over like a few times before getting a very high three count you know fonzie has a high three i never really noticed this <laughs> yeah he lifts yeah. his arm way up to, in the air check that out again <laughs> so kamala then shows concern and he checks on his opponent so kimchi comes in and shoves him a few times and harvey just berating kamala like you were saying comically they're, harsh they're ridiculous like right. it, there's no reason like he won the match why so, are they mad so he won right but the other thing is like kamala's supposed to be like this big savage so why would you it's like poking a bear like what do you expect to happen well slick's been brainwashing everyone and saying that he's not a savage he's a man remember he's whatever i hate this it's so <laughs> stupid well the whole reason they're mad at him is because he lost to the undertaker in that casket match that's real 
does anyone ever win against the Undertaker? <laughs> like, like, what, what what's to be mad about? Yeah, like, yeah. true. So Slick, in a very dapper uh, plum-colored suit, he runs out to restore order. Yeah, the emotional save. <laughs> yeah, it's very emotional. Like the pat on the back save or something. <laughs> yep. So Kimchi punches Slick. Sweeten booze. Then Kamal gets very upset, slaps his big fat gut, and then chops Kimchi over the ropes and chases Harvey away. Sweeten cheers. <laughs> <laughs> and then we go to the commentary table. Yeah. You mean Green Screen City? Oh my god, it's obvious. <laughs> it's very bad. And now we're welcomed again by Vince in a powder blue suit. <laughs> this, their, the attire here it's is bad. Savage it's in like bad. a black and white zebra printed yeah. thing. And King in like a limo driver costume. <laughs> so what got, the hell's he wearing? He's got the King coat on, but it's with not. like a tuxedo shirt <laughs> and tie. <laughs> Looks like he's about to drive someone yeah. somewhere. So today we're going to have the debut of the Steiner Brothers. We're going to have The Undertaker and Bam Bam Bigelow. But first, it's update from inside the pages of WBF Magazine. You know, they say this, but Gene is clearly in the control room, not inside of a magazine. I don't see, like, pages squishing them. It's all lies. <laughs> so Brett has a ton of new merch, Gene says. And Gene references that hot new show, Quinn, WBF Mania. Yeah, hot. <laughs> so Mania, folks. <laughs> just aired today and we cut to a clip from there the debut episode was wait, today wait today it's on the same day yes, as, on usa isn't that a little like you're not supposed to put two <laughs> shows on on the same well do we have enough wrestling for one day and what is it they on like hours apart i, I think mania was 10 a.m and depending on where you live superstars was you know 12 p.m oh my god yeah that's isn't that so crazy? stupid and that was of course folks the debut of todd petty poop how did not think that that was a dumb idea. I don't like, think it's WWF. That's, just, doing that's really stupid. Yeah, I know. So we cut to Mania, uh, which just aired, like I said, and we see a clip of, yes, Ray Rougeau again, yeah. interviewing... Hello! <laughs> I am Ray Rougeau! Interviewing Owen Hart in a real locker room, and Owen has a very colorful windbreaker and Zubas on. He's trying to say him and Coco are going to be good or something this year. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I know. Like, nobody believes yeah, that. Yeah, we're going we're to do really good. The Rocket, you know, high energy, we're going to yeah. do great. So anyway, Ray brings up Owen's brother Brett he's like oh your brother Brett was great and then he mentions Stu beating up his kids in the basement of course oh, Owen also says Stu is a good wrestler which is bullshit <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah and as they're just chatting nicely Razor Ramon wanders in and hits a clothesline out of nowhere on it's Owen like, it's like the softest clothesline ever I just hear like clothes rustling around <laughs> and there's like just randomly you know how they just always keep a metal garbage can just like not even in the corner of the room just like right behind, right behind Owen. Owen in a yeah. sitting on a chair yeah that waste paper bin like, it's like huge <laughs> Razor nails it's them the with metal it. kind like yeah. usually that's for outside yeah Oscar the Grouch lives but in them and stuff WWF they, they keep the metal ones oh, inside yeah. they, don't, know, they don't use the rubber made I can't remember the last time I saw one of those inside anywhere it's, you always see them outside and they're like in the city yeah like, exactly. and they're chained to something yeah, right. like, so anyway Razor chokes Owen for a while and then leaves but not before throwing the toothpick at him he also calls him Rosket which is funny hey Rosket by the way, Quinn, couldn't Ray have helped? Like, he was a wrestler, like, three years so, ago. did Ray have some, like, horrible injury? Is no. that, like, is he, like, edge where his neck is fucked up or something? He just like, retired. Could he have helped? I, he, he like, Owen Hart's getting the shit beat out of him. It and probably takes him a couple minutes to, like, say he's going to help. He's like, I am 
going to help. <laughs> like so, like it took too long, and he just had to get out, of there. get out of there. It was too. It was too far into the beatdown <laughs> to help at all. Understood. So Gene is appalled by Razor's actions, and even says there's going to be hell pay. And he's like literally he's appalled. Mad. He actually says, "I'm appalled." Yeah, I am appalled. I am absolutely appalled by the underhanded actions of Razor Ramon. And we throw to a Razor promo. It's rather bland. You know, he's going to win, Chico. Yeah, basically just talking like Scarface to set up this shitty Rumble 93 match. This really is the dumpy Razor. <laughs> like, he is not good yet. Early heel Razor, as cool as the character might have been, he really was like a big jobber. Like yeah. a joke almost. It, he was like more like a jobber to the stars kind of yeah. guy. Like, he won on superstars and stuff, but he never like, he never, did he never won the big match. No, it wasn't until he turned face that he really became yeah, cool. Horrible. So, so now Brett retorts, uh, bringing up how he's beaten up bullies in the past, you know, heart Fart, yep. all that stuff. Yep. And then he calls. We didn't like when they called <laughs> called us heart fart. It was not good. He's like, you know, Chico, yeah. I'm going to win. Really I've, thinks he's a badass here. I've beaten up the bogeys before, Chico. I'm going to pound the daylights out of you. Horrible. Well, it was an amazing match at Rumble, Quinn. It sucks. <laughs> Everyone, go watch it. It's bad. It's like, really good. What do you mean? Even you. What? Like, after years no. of trying to say I don't know what that you're it was some good match. Remember, I watched it with you. No, I no, was no. in the room with you. And this you, never you, happened. You turned to me in the middle. No. We're like, yeah, this is pretty bad. We never did a commentary on it either where I admitted that it's not that good. Yeah. That never happened. That never happened. Lance right? Russell yeah. should be number one. Go on uh, <laughs> patreon.com slash OVP podcast. Uh, Two dollar tier. Now Just get- go check it out right now. You and I both remember this commercial, Quinn, the Witch Doctor commercial for Dr. Yeah. Mario. He shrunk my head. Play Dr. Mario Game Boy NES. Yeah, which the NES one came out in like 90. Yeah, it was pretty old by that point. Anyway, next, a lady has a very stuffy nose and the hallway reminds her of it like Zordon or something. So she goes to the halls of medicine and now she's fine. Get it? She's in the halls and these are for halls tablets. Get it? Get it? Get it? Awful trailer for Leprechaun featuring Jennifer Aniston. I believe you mentioned the uh, heel from Pee-wee's Big yes, Adventure. Yeah, uh, the bad guy from yeah. Pee-wee's. I prefer Troll 2, honestly, for my midget <laughs> horror movie needs. Oh like, my god! Yeah. Now we see a hamster on a wheel while a narrator talks about cocaine and crack. Wait, now it's a businessman in a suit on the wheel? Yep. Anyway, if you call 1-800-442-7623, you can get off the wheel. So basically, cocaine is bad and turns you into a hamster. Yeah, that's, that's what I got that's, from it. That's what I got out of the commercial, too. So if you don't want to become a hamster, don't do uh, cocaine. Yeah. Anyway, we get a fun news-style reel promo for the syndicated re-airings <laughs> of Roseanne and Night Court here on Fox 5. And your favorite, Joe, Night Court, and it's my great. favorite, Roseanne. I like Roseanne, yeah, too. We both, love Ro- we, we both love both of those shows, yeah, actually. They're, what they're a good great combo. Show. But those are like reruns, right? Yeah, syndicated on Fox. Yeah. Then a quick bumper for... Batman the an- animated series and we're back with uh, Butch Banks and Rock Werner in the ring Butch and Rock the shitty bushwhackers <laughs> like what all- <laughs> that was weird their opponents here to kill them are the debuting Steiner brothers yeah they just got here from college I hate their music <laughs> so much like it's so bad <laughs> it is pretty like, bad <laughs> so terrible like why are they supposed to be intimidating i hate all of it yeah nothing's more intimidating than a marching band they have their varsity jackets watch out for that tuba what the it's so dumb who thought up this jr like it's terrible and savage is like oh they're gonna add some sugar and spice to the tag division maybe but they won't have much time to do so (laughs) 
Thank you. King introduces us to the term dog-faced gremlin as Scott starts with rock. Scott does a rather sloppy upside-down slam from the turnbuckle. Anyway, Scott is wearing his Hasbro action figure attire. You might be interested to know. And then we get an insert from the Steiners with their typical emotionless promo ability. Mm -hmm. Scott says the Barely Brothers because he cannot fucking talk ever. But after the Royal Rumble, the Barely Brothers will know. To play off the second ropes onto Rock, Butch tags in again, and the Steiner clubs him down before tagging into Rick. The crowd barks. Why do people like the Steiners? Like, honestly, why? They're powerhouse wrestlers. They have one move that's good. <laughs> they like, do suplays, a lot of suplays. No, but I mean, like, I feel like everything's based off the Frankensteiner. It's just like, well, they do that, and that makes them good. <laughs> well, weren't they better in NWA, at least in WCW? Yeah, and they had that one good match against Brett Nolan or something. Oh, the one where Gorilla calls Pat Patterson fat, of yeah. course. Yeah, that, and, that d- classic. D- that's pretty much all I can say about their WWF run. They were mis- miscast in WWF. They shouldn't I have gone there. I think they were miscast. I, I think they aren't as big of a deal. You know, honestly, what they come off of, they're another one of those teams that, like, has international acclaim like how the Road Warriors did, like they would go all over the place. Yeah, They're the same thing. You they, really don't like them, huh? I really don't think they were that good. Folks, let us know what you I, think. I, I mean, think they were trying, I'm not saying they were trying to be the Road Warriors per se, but that like more that like international prestige kind of thing. Kind of like um, also like Furnace and LaFon, yeah, like them. Right, like, Furnace like, and Philip They're LaFon. good because they've been places. Like that's like why we're supposed to respect them. Maybe. I mean, they were a somewhat interesting tag team, but not in WF so much. Oh, they were terrible. And I felt like the, like, the token tag title reign, like it was just yep. there to like, yep, uh, yep, yep, all. See, they're See they just, want them. Yeah, they're so good. We care about them, but they yeah. didn't really care yeah. about them. Uh, Earl Durrell, by the way, is the ref. Uh, Banks bails out of the ring as Rick dances and uh, lock up, and Rick takes Banks' head off with a clothesline or Steiner line if JR were here. Yeah. Rear chin lock because that's innovative. Is that the sugar or the spice? It's nothing. <laughs> that's what it is. Savage and Waller have been like mildly bickering the whole time, but it's not distracting like you'll find today. It was fine. Yeah. The commentary. I, I, honestly, it's I not had, bad. didn't have a problem with a lot of the commentary no, here. I, it was whatever. Standard it, like superstar spare. It didn't stick out or anything. It was just whatever. It's it's fine, yeah. you know. Oh, would you get out of that hole, King? <laughs> well, you could try sitting out, I suppose. And First I've... of all, he would never get me in that hole. You're right, because you'd have to be in the arena, and I don't think you would even uh, be 100 miles away. Wait a minute, gentlemen, please. Listen. Let's save it. That's all right. At least when he puts in his two cents worth, he's not overcharging. Big overhead suit play from Rick from the second rope. Scott gets back in, hits a tilt-a-whirl, and then a very dubious-looking Frankensteiner, which wakes up the bored crowd. This is the only move they had, though. Yeah, you're right. They, they were boring other than this. Like, <laughs> Every, the crowd, at least, in WWF is always waiting just for know, that. Rick acting like a dog. Yeah, like, what is that? I mean, I always thought that's like that harkens back to him Carry being over stupid or from whatever. 87. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but that version of Rick Steiner's With, awesome. Uh, Green. Robin Green. Robin yeah, Green. So essentially, folks, the best thing the Steiners did was before and after WWF. Yeah. That should sum it up right yeah. there. Doink wanders down to ringside as Ray Rougeau asks for an interview. But first, we cut to Sean Mooney at the event center, like an actual set, not the green screen. Yeah, the teeny table. <laughs> it's, like, it's exactly like that dock table for yeah. the football thing. Like, it's I so swear, small, yeah. It might even be the same table and they just painted it. It might be. Because you know how WWF keeps shit. Oh, definitely. Like, in that closet back there. How much you want to bet they just painted it and like put a football on it or something. It's for Doc? Yeah, yeah. for Doc. <laughs> so Mooney hypes this odd new show from the Manhattan Center, Monday Night Raw. It's only two days away, but also 
today. That's right. Today, January yeah. 9th, there's a show at the Meadowlands, and it's Razor Ramon versus Mr. Perfect. Both in the shittiest part of their careers. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, true. seriously. We get a promo from Perfect who says what it Razor is oozing stinks. Yeah, I, that was kind of funny. Like, I guess. He that was the only funny thing. And there's a lot of stink in oh, this God, whole like, and ooze. Yeah, like in this whole like section Run of promos. Of promos. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you're oozing something, Razor Ramon, but what you're oozing stinks. Oh! Perfect says he's oozing perfection, and he says this as there's a notable sweat line running down his singlet. <laughs> oh, God. He says he's bigger than Razor, which literally isn't true yeah, unless, he's, not. unless he's talking about Razor's little yeah. blade. Uh, also today at the Meadowlands, Shawn Michaels defends the Intercontinental title against Marty Jannetty, which mm-hmm. would also be at the Royal Rumble, so yeah, that's weird. Well, but why is that happening? I don't know. We get a promo from Shawn Michaels with his blue-lined you know, uh, Intercontinental title <laughs> strap. Know, it's blue, but it's more like teal it's or something. Yeah, I don't know what color that actually pastel. is. Yeah. He says Jeanette reeks of jealousy and probably weed also. Lots of it. Yeah. I'm rich. I'm good looking. I got it all. And you have got nothing. This is a pretty crummy promo because Michaels really didn't cut a good promo until like 95, maybe 96. Think about Michaels before that. I got news for you. You know what it is with him? It's like he's got potential. He's also got news for you. Yeah. I'm just saying like he's got potential at this point. Yeah, he's not better than Bret Hart at this point, though. I'm serious. No, I, but he's also earlier in his career. Like, Marginally. Bret's sucked, too, at this one, you know, this many years into a singles run. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Gennetti responds, though, with a rather generic promo. He sounded high. He probably just did a line of cocaine off screen, hopefully, honestly. Hopefully he doesn't become a hamster. Yeah. <laughs> no. Anyway, Quinn, Sega Genesis has blast processing and SNES doesn't. Yes. Sega! This reminds me of how WCW was making fun of WWF still in, like, 99. Yeah, When, yeah. like, they were clearly falling behind. <laughs> like, Sega, just give it the fuck up. Yeah. You well, lost. Well, to be fair, you gotta you gotta compete. I don't you know what do, else but, Sega can do. But isn't it cheap when they just take shots? And Vince did it, too, at Billionaire Ted, but isn't that cheap to you? Well, technically, their processor was faster. I'll give it. It was, like, 7 megahertz, and SNES was, like, 2. Get a life. No, I'm just, just I, I, You gotta fight it with the, with the raw specs sometimes. <laughs> Trailer for Nowhere to Run, starring John claude Van Damme. He'll beat the shit out of people and ride a motorcycle. That's the movie. Yay. <laughs> yeah, really. Then we see people working out at the gym. You know, lots of abs, lots of treadmills. You better work out because it's sexy and fun. Yeah, it's Bally's. Bally's. Yeah. By Jack Lane. It's yeah. only $24 a month. In 93, it was 24 bucks. That's a lot. Yeah, well, I mean, gyms are expensive now. Too. Shit, man. But that's a lot. By the way, gyms are like the most overpriced thing. And canceling them is like a scam. Oh, it's so... Like, have you ever noticed that? Yes. I don't know of any business that is allowed to do that. Where you cancel and they're just like, okay, and then they still charge you forever. They're like, no, you can't cancel (laughs) unless you fucking take a bicycle to, like, Indiana and, like, hand deliver a fucking letter. (laughs) Like, like, it's insane. It is. They really cling to you. Like, I wouldn't even be surprised if when you get to the headquarters, it's on top of a mountain that has no road to, and you have to walk up that, too. It's like, well, if we make where you have to get the letter to, like, impossible... Then when you get on top of the mountain, there's also a, like a blimp that they pay for that just rides in a circle where their headquarters is, and so you, you can never reach it. You have to scale a rope ladder, you yeah. know, to even get up to the Or you have to blimp. get like a rocket strapped to your back to get up right. there because they pull the ladder up. Or so you, you do cocaine and become a hamster, yeah. and then you're small. Quinn, did you know that Bud Bash would love to help you get a new loan? That's right, one eight hundred dial PMC. You fucking better. <laughs> this guy's he was serious about very that mortgage shit. about this. Yeah. When it comes to second mortgages, we approve. That commercial to me, this gray-haired man, yeah. mortgages, that's the essence 
of daytime TV on Fox yeah. 5 in the early 90s, yeah, right? Yeah, it's this mix of like mainstream ads and then like just some local shit. Yep. But we're back now with Bobby Heenan cutting a promo on Mr. Perfect Quinn about Narcissus, <sighs> whom Bobby says is beyond perfect. And he says comparing perfect to Narcissus is like comparing ice cream to horse manure. I hate the name Narcissus so much. And Bobby makes it sound stupid. He says it like 4,000. Narcissus, Narcissus this. Narcissus. Narcissus that. It's like, shut the fuck up. I don't care about Narcissus. <laughs> now, folks, what Narcissus is, no, Bobby's not misspeaking. I've always thought he was, okay. but he isn't. For the first several weeks leading up to Royal Rumble 93, Bobby was hyping and promising the unveiling of Narcissus. Once we get to the Rumble 93, Bobby still says at the top of the show, plus the unveiling of Narcissus, followed by Gorilla saying, who cares? Yeah. What about the unveiling of Narcissus? Who cares? Then we get to the actual unveiling, and he says, here he is, the narcissist, Lex Luger. Right. So basically, Narcissus was like the hidden name. Like, you're not allowed to know who it is. So you had to chisel off first. And right. Then, you know, under the chisel. It right. Says, at the end. Speaking of chiseling, Bobby says that not even Michelangelo could sculpt the qualities of Narcissus. And I'm guessing that's probably because he's too busy eating pizza and beating up Rocksteady. Thank you. Back to the ring with George Petrovsky, who acts like he's so good. He looks really stupid, and he's, like, standing all awkward in the ring. Who? This chopper is amazing. He's got a leather jacket on. My favorite thing is his name is George, and then he's got, like, some Russian name. It's, like, very, like, (laughs) it's, like, a big juxtaposition. I just call him George the rest of the match. This guy has to be seen to be believed. He's the best jobber I've seen in a long time. Why does he have a weird logo on, like, his fat on his stomach? It doesn't matter. What is that logo even? George George Petrovsky is amazing. So some weird ass piano music starts to welcome us to Lance Cassidy. <laughs> Holy shit. Who the <laughs> fuck is this guy? Who? I had to look this up, folks, Did, because I've never heard of this in my life. Did he wrestle more than this match? A handful of months. Oh, my God. Lance Cassidy is better known as Steve Armstrong, which is the Probably the worst one of the Armstrong brothers, He's, right? Because I, I don't even know that Armstrong. Brad is great. Yeah. Jesse James is fine. You the know, road, road dog. dog. Uh, Steve Armstrong was the one in the Young Pistols or the Southern Boys with Tracy Smothers. Oh, that one. Yeah, yeah that basically. one. Basically, that's like a gorilla reaction. He had a couple of cups of coffee here for a few months with just a, with the worst look ever for ninety three. This acts like he's the future. Or oh, something. it's terrible. Okay. He's got this rock and rebel esque mullet, and even yeah. King says that his hair is so long Moses couldn't part it. <laughs> yeah, Vince is wondering. If Lance Cassidy is going to be in the Royal Rumble. Now, I hope not. You know you suck because they brought in fucking Teneru. <laughs> yeah. They brought in Carlos Colon. That youngster. But this guy doesn't make the cut. Yeah. So Petrosky shoves Lance off a lockup and poses. <sighs> Which one is even the jobber? Seriously. <laughs> like, yeah, seriously. Petrovsky's acting good. Well, it's not even just that. Lance is struggling mightily against him with, with george here it's great yeah oh george yeah. oh george yeah. uh cassidy with a crappy drop kick he sends petrovsky outside danny Dra- davis with minor shemp hair very is minor shemp lockup and petrovsky goes on the attack with stomps and forearms oh my god before eating another crappy drop kick followed by an even worse arm drag armbar now as the announcers talk about doink and how they really want to hear him speak welcome to 1993 petrovsky fights back and cackles i like this guy uh, another shitty drop kick and arm drag combo by cassidy as Petrovsky fights back with a body slam, but misses a Hogan leg drop. This jobber is amazing. I Actually, I hate him. I think he's not doing his job. He's awesome. I actually couldn't stand this job. He's amazing. Listen, it's one thing for the jobber to get a little offense. This was way too so much. So much offense. It's this amazing. was way too much offense. Lance looked like garbage. 
I don't no, even know bad. why he was here. He looks like shit. He yeah. gets an awful bulldog for the win. Just awful. And his music blows. Oh, it's terrible. It's like what was was Vince doing someone a favor by having this guy here? I don't know. Friends with Bullet Bob or something? I wouldn't think so. Right? It's just like, oh, I'll just do you a favor. I don't get it. Yeah. Anyway, buy WBF Magazine, Quinn. It's got Mr. Perfect on the cover. Yeah, that's a really poor photo of Mr. Perfect, by the way. It's like his hair is all shitty. <laughs> like, it, Mr. Perfect was crap in early 93. Like, he sucked balls. Like, he had the stud, like, diamond studs on his wardrobe. I, God, he was so you bad. You don't like his face run, right? Yeah, it's horrible. What do you think it is? Did it neuter him or something? Yeah, it made him crappy. Like, I he, I didn't want to take him seriously. It was just a goof. He had a couple of good matches, though. The Flair retirement match on Raw was good. Yeah, but he also had ponytails all the time, and, like, his hair was, like, more blonde or something. I don't know. It was. Uh, his like, hair was aggravating yeah, in 93. I, I was like, what is wrong with him? <laughs> like, just go away. So we go up to Ray Rougeau at the interview platform in the arena, and he talks about this clown that's been showing up in the World Wrestling Federation. Well, we'd like to find out what this clown is made of. What is he all about? And what does he want here in the World Wrestling Federation? And Doink, who is still unnamed, wanders out with his arm in a sling, laughing maniacally. He finally tells everyone that his name is Doink. What is your name? Yeah, that actually Tell happens. us your name, clown. Yeah. <laughs> and King says that's a good name. And then we see clips of Doink tripping the boss man, hitting Tatanka with a mop, <laughs> throwing water on Janetti, and Backlund slipping on a banana peel. I approve of all of these things because they're actually funny. <laughs> they are. But Ray Rougeau does not quit. He scolds Doink for Evil all of this. Evil Doink was like the best part of 1993 is, at this seriously. point. Yeah. So Doink says that he loves upsetting kids and taking smiles away. Good. I wish he would beat up Ray. Now. Like that's like that. Oh, that would top this interview. Well, because Ray's like, how can you do this, clown? How do you take the smiles away from the kids? You're sick. And then Ray brings up Crush and how Crush, oh, God, bra, Crush, Crush. He warned Doink for this shit and says the bottom line is that Doink's jokes. They're always at someone else's expense. So Doink just squirts him with his flower. <laughs> and then Doink literally raffles on the floor, <laughs> like roll on the floor. He, does, he, like he actually does it. Now, Savage, perhaps booking ahead here, he's like, hey, King, that should be your court jester, which he <laughs> was. Weird. Yeah, yeah, right? <laughs> and then we get a very odd commercial for Streets of Rage 2. Th- that game is good. I didn't even good. know they were advertising it. Yeah, because Sega's advertising yeah. was so all over the place. But yeah. that game is good. Yeah, I never even saw an ad for Streets of Rage ever, so that's yeah. kind of great. And it's two, it's not one. Yeah, it's two the is good the good one. One. one yeah it's it's the, the much best better one, one in the series definitely and then of course quinn that age-old biggest problem of the 90s of course acne yeah acne yeah it ruins your baseball game or something yeah because it's like two kids like, they are talking about they're like oh i feel it on my face and i can't hit the ball <laughs> with the bat like what get the pads of course they work they do what break up the oil man now we've got a commercial where Diet Pepsi has secretly been sent to Diet Coke drinkers while Ray Charles talks about it. They all switched to Diet Pepsi in the end. Lies. All lies. <laughs> and that's impossible. Well, Quinn, Diet Pepsi. Diet Pepsi is shit, So is man. Diet Coke. Yeah, they're both shit. But I mean, like, <laughs> you either drink that pile of manure or that pile of diarrhea, one or the other. And, like, you don't, you don't switch your poop, basically. <laughs> you heard it here first. Yeah. 
Petland discounts with Neil Patrick on Tropical Fish. They're so fun. They're so easy to own. This guy basically is like, buy a fucking fish tank, you moron. <laughs> like, seriously, I this commercial always. Oh, Petland discounts for the, the best pet in yet. Whatever the fuck. Yeah, it was horrible. And it went on for years, but it was like this same ad from yes. like 92, 93. Ugh. But it, it's playing in like 98. And you're like, wow, this footage looks old is now. Is the store still open? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> now, look, I have nothing against fish, but I've never seen like a fun fish. Yeah, it's like, not like you play catch with a fish. <laughs> like, when, when you throw a bone in the fish tank. <laughs> you pet it. Yeah. <laughs> but they're fun. They're not fun. You, you, you go like, <laughs> like that to the tank. Like, what are you going to do? That's literally the most fun you have with the fish is do this. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, promotional consideration is paid for by Ica Pro, starring Bret Hart. Bret Hart likes Ica Pro. Slim Jim with Randy Savage. Randy Savage hates chips. And all the current LJN video games. And now we're back to the ring with Scott Zappa, who honestly, he cannot be Frank Zappa's yeah. son because his name is too normal. Yeah. It's seriously. not Moon Unit or yeah. Dweezil. Yeah, that's true. Scott, Frank Zappa would never. I mean, <laughs> no. one of his kids is named Moon Unit. Like. <laughs> I would, did, did that always like bother you? Yes. Did it always also seem for some reason as a kid you were like, that's kind of cool actually. Yes. Like, I was like, man, that'd be cool to be called Moon Unit. <laughs> moon Unit Zappa. Yeah. But here, no, Scott Zappa, he looks like he works at Petland Discounts. Anyway, <laughs> the, the Undertaker makes his entrance. Now, this is before the lights were always entirely dimmed. Some kid with the proud demolition shirt, which I applaud yeah. him for, holds the Undertaker figure. Yeah, that's funny. Like, the demolition shirt in 93. It's great. Like, he got on camera. That kid got it. It's like he knew he wasn't going to let the shitty music like doubt Demolition's <laughs> ability. Now, King basically says he could kick Undertaker's ass yet, right? As Vince builds <laughs> the uh, brewing Undertaker Papa Shango feud. I don't even remember that. Yeah, I think they had it before this, but this is also on the verge of having to deal with like giant Gonzalez. Yeah, he's coming. He'll yeah. be here soon. And the chloroform and all oh. that shit. God, this feud. Oh, bad. Oh. I have a feeling, by the way, this entrance will be longer than the match's entrance is typically, you know, taking yeah. forever as Vince hypes the Damian Demento versus Undertaker match on Raw. So first we'll have to beat this jobber and then another jobber in a hot Raw match. Yeah, because spoilers to squash. Yeah, Demento yeah. is nothing. Yeah, what? why were they acting like that was a good match? He's a jobber with yeah. kind of a gimmick. Uh, we finally start, and it's literally, you know, an Undertaker squash. Vince says Zappa gets zapped. Ugh. <laughs> he does nothing really. The Undertaker out of the ordinary he has a suplex in there and finishes with a tombstone. Then we body bag the jobber, which I didn't realize <laughs> yeah. they were still doing in 93. It's like very retro yeah, for 93. Thing? I, thought that, I thought that was long gone. Like 91? Uh, on the replay. Savage 100% legitimately says, here's a back play from The Undertaker. Yeah, that was weird. That was I, I, was, I was like, why is he coordinating it up Just right for now? Fun. Yeah. Here's a back play from The Undertaker. King gets on the Royal Magistrator, you know, of course, yeah. the Telestrator, and uh, it's on a close-up of Paul Bearer kissing the urn, so he draws Papa Shango on the urn. Okay, but right, whatever. Fine. It was like a muscle guy with like a top hat. Yeah. Supposed to be Papa Shango. Why is Papa Shango a genie? It was horrible. Up next, we're going to find out more Royal Rumble participants. But first, Quinn, double mint gum commercial. Does that gum even need commercials by 93? Don't people know what that is? Then, people working on ships need Alka-Seltzer plus cold medicine. Yeah, if you want to become a professional fisherman, you're going to need Alka-Seltzer. Like, that's what it is. He's yep. like, you know, I fish. Like, I'm <laughs> Bret Hart. He's like from Boston or something. You, you know, like, I fish. It's I all can- like wet in the commercial. Like, 
it's it is very dark wet. and wet on the boat. This is my nightmare yeah, of a place yeah. to be. You it's know what I mean? Seriously. Any place where anybody would ever want to work. That's why you need yeah. your Alka-Seltzer. And then we get a promo for The Edge, which yeah. was like a fake mad TV. I guess, yeah. like a sketch cut. Yeah. I, I don't remember that show. Yeah. Uh, and then we get a trailer for Alive. Spoilers, they eat people alive. Yeah. Like well, it, to live. To, to live. Sorry, yeah. they're already dead. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, Quinn, George Benedict will help you treat alcoholism, and I have no issue with that, obviously, but he's very emphatic about it. He actually basically says, like, don't drink. It's like getting hit by a fucking truck. He's like, so But he doesn't serious. say fucking, but he does. Say, he actually says it's like getting hit yeah. by a truck. Now, I don't disagree with this guy's premise at all, because he's like, you gotta treat it. It's like getting hit by a fucking truck. You yeah, know, you treat it. You treat it. weird fucking way to, like, a thing to compare it to. Like, yeah. you could say it's like getting cancer or like, because yeah. like, he, I get that he's trying to say it's like a disease or something. Yeah, which it is. But it's not like getting hit by a truck. A truck's like a freak accident. <laughs> you know <laughs> what I mean? That's like, true. It's like, it's like, it's a disease. It's, it's like, like, disease, it's like yeah. catching a cold right. or something. More like, than a truck. It, yeah, than getting hit by a truck. It's totally different. I treat alcoholism as if someone was just hit by a truck. Cue the Royal Rumble music and Mean Gene Okerlund. We're two weeks away. That's right. Upcoming on January the 24th at 4 o'clock Eastern Standard Time. It's the Royal Rumble. We'll have Janetti versus Shawn Michaels with Sherry appearing in one of the corners. Very suspenseful. Yeah. Michael says Janetti is very undeserving of the IC title shot, which I can't even disagree with. I mean, he's been gone forever. Yeah, he didn't like, do anything to gotta, earn it. Listen, I understand that you're the former partner and you were put out of commission by Shawn Michaels, but he, Doesn't didn't, win, mean, yeah. he, didn't, he didn't win any singles matches no. that I remember before this point now sean's pretty confident that sherry's gonna be with him but janetti what a a stupid idiot by the way like (laughs) that just sounded dumb it's like oh i broke up with her of course she's gonna (laughs) janetti says he's gonna end sean's career and that it'll be marty janetti day actually it's rusev day i don't know does he i I don't know if he's aware of the calendar every day is rusev day you know (laughs) eight-year-old rusev back then yeah i mean he was alive so technically it would have been rusev it was no it it, it was any day that he's been alive has Mm -hmm. been rusev day so let's get some latest participants now in the Royal Rumble. We've got Ric Flair, Tatanka, IRS, Bob Backlund, Jerry the King Lawler, and Mr. Perfect. Perfect interrupts and cuts a very yeah. generic promo. I'm perfect. I'm going to win. You know yeah. that. We've also got Ted DiBiase, Crush, Rick Martel, Yokozuna. And then I, Fuji- I want it out. This, this is ridiculous. So Fuji. Who has hair he still. He has hair. And he just goes, look at my Yokozuna. And then Yokozuna goes, Yosh. Yosh. Yosh! Yosh! That's and the promo. That's, that's the whole thing. Look at my Yokozuma. No one can move my Yokozuma. No one can lift him up off his feet. We'll Yosh! Fall out one by Yosh! one, and Yokozuma Yosh! is the winner. Uh, we've also got Quinn, Randy Savage, who would notoriously try to pin Yoko yeah. in the end there. <laughs> the, the best Royal Rumble competitor ever. Ugh. Not the best Royal Rumble competitor <sighs> ever. The worst. Papa Shango. Earthquake, Berserker, Undertaker, that youngster Carlos yeah, the Colon. youngster himself. Yes, they actually advertised him for it. <laughs> Plus, the great Tenaru. Why is he here? <laughs> what know. is this Royal Rumble, anyway? <laughs> Tito Santana, Typhoon, Samu, the of course. The ever-present, always watching <laughs> over. I mean, he probably just, like, hid under the ring at the beginning, and he, he poked, like, eye holes to yeah, the and bottom, he was watching. And he just making sure... <laughs> Fatu was in there though, but Fatu wrestled. Yeah, he wasn't just uh, he watching. Like, that's not his job. Sam, Samu is a, a, a quiet observer. Yeah, Fatu makes a difference. Yeah, and of course Jim Duggan, who cuts a typical <laughs> promo in this, typical ho fashion. This promo. This is he, amazing because he doesn't yeah, even guarantee that yeah, he's going to so win. So he goes, "Yo, <laughs> I, I'm going to 
maybe win, uh, <laughs> but I'll try. Like, that's it. It's the least confident promo I've ever heard from him. Yeah, he, this is coming from a guy that won the fucking Royal Rumble, too. He did, like, why is he? Why is he not saying, like, yeah, I know how to win this. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> Who says that? It's like, yeah, I'm going to, you know, I'll try to win, but, you know, I don't really know. I don't know if I'm going to, yeah. folks. You know what's funny? He wouldn't even be in the Rumble. Because Yoko killed him, remember? Oh, right. right. before the Rumble. Yeah. Crush also, who was advertised, would not be in the Rumble because Doink killed him. Hmm. Yeah, I know. The lineup changed. False advertising who, here. Who replaced them? I don't know, Quinn. Yeah. Uh, maybe the Nasty Boys. Ugh. Virgil. I, I don't yeah. know. Anyway, of course, we get Bret Hart defending the world title against Razor Ramon. And that's very unfortunate What's for Bret everyone. Yeah. Minutes. Really good. Horrible. Anyway, the Hulk's commercial again. Dr. Mario commercial again. And then... A cable TV commercial, yes. Yeah, just generic. I like, love don't, it. We don't even know what your cable company is. Just get it. That's what I love about 93. Because yeah. they're telling you, you're going to get CNN. You're going to get ESPN, MTV, HBO, Showtime, the movie channel. You better get cable. You're missing everything, you dingus. <laughs> so you just call 1-800-OK-CABLE. So was that some kind of catch-all number? That's like, what I thought. You dial it and it routes you to so, your local cable company, like 911? This, this is very interesting to me. Did cable, like, essentially, like... Were they essentially colluding with each other like they're the NWA? It's like territories. Right. Like, and they were basically like, the go to the governing body of cable and we'll lead you Get to your local territory. That's like, honestly what I think it was, yeah, right? Like, well, back to Mike McGurk now, who introduces us to Jobber Red Tyler. His opponent is the recently returned Bam Bam Bigelow, who's going to be facing Boss Man at the Rumble in a match that, honestly, Quinn, knowing both guys, it should have been much better than it was. I, I don't know. I always felt by 93, Bossman was like, I got nothing left to do in the WWF. He like, he really was like, I need to do something else. He was gone about two months from now. And but you know what it. happened is like the failed face push really kind of tarnished him. Yeah, you're right. Me. That's like, true. Yeah, it was like he was kind of damaged goods in WWF. He needed to go to WCW and then he came back as a heel and he was way better. That's true. Yeah. Bigelow destroys Red Tyler to start with some forearms and a corner splash. You're kind of squash, right? Yeah, it, my, Michael Quinn kind of squash. <laughs> yeah. No no offense from the jobber. Just beat the shit out of this guy. Like, that's what I want to see. Like, <laughs> and there literally is no offense no, from Red Tyler. Not at match. all. Joey Merle is a ref, by the way. Huge clothesline by the Bammer as we get an insert promo from the boss man. Too bad he left, like, right after this. Bigelow yells at Tyler the entire match, punching him. Yeah, yeah, it's great. Front face lock for no reason before Morella gives him the signal to go home. I saw that. I saw that, Joey. <laughs> and uh, sure enough, suit play by the Bammer, followed by the headbutt for the win. Good squash. Yep. Excellent, excellent squad. Did exactly what it should have done. Back to Mooney at the event center, who hypes Raw again. We then talk about the headlock on hunger, which was basically the Somalia relief fund. Yeah, basically the live aid of WWF. <laughs> Pretty much. We are WWF. <laughs> we are the future, or whatever they say. <laughs> so present at this press conference were Bob Backlund, Jim Duggan, Sergeant Slaughter, Papa Shango with no makeup. Yeah, weird. <laughs> Slick. The Undertaker with his coat, but with a t-shirt under it. <laughs> Virgil. What a weird thing. This, <laughs> yeah. is. this is like the Christy Whitman thing. Right, that yeah. type of press conference. Yeah. And of course, Vince McMahon smiling like a slime ball. However, WWF is going to donate a minimum of $100,000, wow. so I'll give him credit there. That's a lot of money. And all the proceeds of the January 29th MSG show are going to go to this, so that's Wonderful. nice. It'll be Bret Hart versus Bam Bam in the main event. So Bret talks about that show. He's like, he like pleads. Because hunger stinks. Yeah. <laughs> He's, like, begging you to pay for it. Yeah. Very nice. Very nice. Well, clearly, though, Quinn, Brett would know about hunger growing up in Stu's oh, house. Oh, man. <laughs> Sorry. Geez. Anyway, also at this January 29th show, we've got Michaels versus Backland, Perfect versus Flair. Great. 
Leprechaun promo again. Dr. Zitzmore gets rid of acne. <laughs> yes, Zitzmore. Thanks, Dr. Zitzmore. <laughs> Call 212-594-SKIN. I bet that used to be a porno number, and that's why he, he, yeah. <laughs> he ran that. I bet you it's a porno number now. <laughs> PSA about weed. That's where the kid misses throwing his baseball into his glove, so don't do drugs. Because yeah. not only will you be uncoordinated, but you also turn into a hamster. Uh, and also, Quinn, because it's 1993, it's Monster Trucks, it's Robo Wars, Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. You know the whole deal. Yep. Also, Joe Piscopo likes cybergenics at GNC. Joe Piscopo in 93, yeah, by the way. He's not even relevant. <laughs> no. And also, you better buy bicycle playing cards so you don't look like a sissy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, bicycle playing cards need advertisement. Yeah, that hot item there. <laughs> and also, play super high impact, Lord Alfred what says. What game is that? This looks like one of the worst football games yeah. ever because yeah. this is the Madden era. Madden's out by now. Yeah. There's no way people no one bought gets this. Shit. They just want their Genesis and their Madden. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Next week, Quinn, we get Yokozuma. We get the Nasty Boys. We get an interview with Shawn Michaels. We get Crush mm. and Razor Ramon. But now, the hot angle of the show, let's replay the Kamala Kimchi thing. Yep, mm. and that's the end of the A-Show era. It's officially officially complete. over, complete, done. What Super a way to Superstars was never anything again. Uh, I don't think it was anything here, honestly. Well, but I mean, shit. it still was the A-Show. Technically, so. it was. That is a snapshot into what we were heading into as Raw began. I mean, <sighs> i tell you, Raw wasn't wonderful either. No, and it had Rob Bartlett. Yeah, so... So not an appointment in its favor, but yep. that is the very last technically a show of WWF superstars from January of 93. History has been made. History has been made. And we were heading into uh, an era that was a bit of a lull creatively, yep. uh, certainly critically, although I'm much more forgiving to it than Quinn is. It's horrible. <laughs> Your bluntness like about it is great. It's just as bad as 95. Like, no, it's Matt. We decided this. It's yeah, better yeah, than whatever. 1995. But, folks, what could be better than joining us again next week? We thank you for being with us here on episode number 115 for our Vantage Point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. We have romped you through another week. And next week, of course, another downfall. We will be adding two more to the mix of the Royal Rankings, and we will be reviewing something. In the meantime, you can tweet us at OVP Podcast. You can email us. Join the group if you have a Facebook and you haven't joined yet and head on over to our Patreon at patreon.com slash OVP podcast and take a look at our reward tiers. But until next week, as we head into February, I am Joe Murata. That is Michael Quinn. And we are out of here. See ya. Hey, Mr. Perfect Narcissus. I heard you're asking questions. Narcissus. Of the other wrestlers. Narcissus. What do you know about him? Narcissus. Is he truly beyond perfect? Narcissus. Is it possible for anyone to have those qualities superior to mine? Of Narcissus. Narcissus. Of Narcissus. Of Narcissus. 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 Of Narcissus. Narcissus. Of Narcissus. Of Narcissus. 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 Of Narcissus. Narcissus. Of Narcissus. Of Narcissus. 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 Of Narcissus. Narcissus. Of Narcissus. 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 Nar